of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on April 17th, 2018. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the closest thing you can have to a spouse. Caffeine rage. I'm not sure, once again, how I feel about this. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played this week. Cliff Blazinski accuses Epic Games of stealing his staff. Asus teases the ROG gaming phone. EA pledges to be better. In quotes, <laughs> after Star Wars Battlefront 2's debacle, we'll have our weekly community corner, which has a host special in it. We'll have our weekly discovery queue, and timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. How are you? Well, obviously better than you. Yeah, I was quite worried I was going to break down halfway through that intro. <laughs> it's the only part of the show where I have to like be perfect and nail it. But dear listener, you missed like the last 10 minutes where I was like dying and making horrible body noises. Well, to be Rage fair, you're now usually closer make, than we were before. To be fair, you make horrible body noises every week. These were worse, especially for you, because you could hear them all the way from my hall bathroom. Yeah, you have uh, quite the carrying, hacking uh, cough. You have no idea. You should hear me in person. Kind of don't want to now. <laughs> well, we should make sure to meet in person in the winter when I have much fewer bodily issues. Because there's no pollen, because everything's dead and cold. Like our hearts. And crickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're both just like hanging our head low like, yeah. Although Battletech seems to be warming up our hearts. We're hearing more and more good things about that game, and we're getting excited. <laughs> Did you see the intro cinematic? Yeah, which, I saw that. Yep. I like that quick little history of the Mech Warrior or the Battletech universe. Mm-hmm. Like two minutes. It was good. You see when Starcom <laughs> fell apart and they had the big Civil War. Yeah. And then basically it's Civil War for forever. Well, war never changes. And... Yeah. Oh, wait. Wrong series. Till the clans show up and fuck everyone up. Man, that's a good... <laughs> I should go buy some more of those books and read it. Read them. I've There's never... bound to have been a couple more series. I've never really sat down and read really the extended universe of any game. I've read a few. Uh, okay, here's going to be the uh, question since you've uh, done this uh, several times. What game universe has the most interesting extended universe literature? And saying Star Wars is cheating. No, I wasn't going to say Star Wars. That's tough. I've read the extended universe books for Halo, Mass Effect, Gears of War, Mech Warrior, or Battletech, and World of Warcraft. Or, well, Warcraft, because those books yeah, cover... I've, yeah, I've read the intro uh, paragraph to the uh, one of the Warcraft books, and it seemed a little cheesy to me. Yeah, all of the Warcraft books are really cheesy. At least all the ones that I've read. Yeah, There's, when they put out know, it, three or yeah, four the, dozen. The first chapter uh, as a uh, promotion for... I think it was the Illidan book, actually. 
I suppose it depends by what criteria you're going by. If it's just like overall quality of the books, I would have to say it's a tie between some of the Halo books and the Mech Warrior stuff that I've read. But if it comes down to what flushes out the universe the most, by far that's the Halo series. There's dozens of books covering multiple eras and filling in lots of gaps and expanded original stories. MechWarrior has that too, but... Or the MechWarrior books have that too, but I don't know if it's just... Bungie was able to get higher quality writers to write those books or what, but the Halo books I've read compared to the MechWarrior books are more well-written... So, Halo stands out as the book series that has the best expanded universe. But, I mean, there's like 30 or 40 Mech Warrior and Halo books. So, I mean, those two take the cake by far. And then it, beyond that, it's probably just more preference. Yeah, I have heard good things about the Warhammer books or the Warhammer 40k, but they're also in the cheesy realm. Yeah. They also might be impenetrable. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, trying to figure out where the hell to start. It's like looking at the Discworld series. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, though that's one good thing about the Mech Warrior books. It's a lot easier to just jump in, especially even in the middle of a story. Because they, they'll do runs of books, you know, three, four, five books to tell a complete story. You can kind of jump into the middle of most of those because that's what I would do as a kid. We have a, a big used bookstore. Uh, at the time, it was just one store. They're like a little chain here now, but they're called McKay's. And they were like where all of the edgy people went to get books. <laughs> and so there were like there were video game books and, and stuff like that. And everybody had like really huge earrings and looked like they were goth people. It was awesome. <laughs> But that was like the only place that I could find those books. And so I'd be like, well, I guess I'm reading book three of the Dark uh, the Dark Ages series and for MechWarrior this, this week. Because yeah, I'd just have to take whatever I could get. And I never felt totally lost. So, good for them. But anyways, yes, video games. <laughs> we play them. I we played quite a few this week. We played quite a few this week. Would you like to discuss... What you played, Rach? All right, so let's start off with the Sunday sampler. Steampunk Tower 2. Oh, boy. This is a this is one of those conflicting games. I had fun with it, but... Well, this is a mobile port, or this is being released some, uh, either simultaneously or very close together on both mobile and PC. And it's mobile roots shows big time. And that really put a damper on things. I absolutely love the art style of this game. It does look really nice. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I started playing it. But uh, let's put it this way. In my video about this, first thing I did was I had a, uh, uh, a you know disclaimer saying that I am a PC gamer. I'm looking at this from a PC gamer perspective. So, all the timers, all the limits, irritate the ever-living fuck out of me. Uh, to give you an idea, okay, uh, this is 
a take on a uh, tower defense. Uh, I mean, it's literally a tower. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but you have a inventory of of uh, turrets that you recycle uh, throughout all the missions, and you level them up over the course of the game. Okay. Okay. I, I kind of I like that idea. Yeah, you actually. suddenly got very quiet, by the way. Did I? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm. I muted to cough and then unmuted, so maybe it's doing something weird. I'll check my volume. Okay, well, you're, you're better now. Uh, But you have an inventory that you take into battle with you, and you have to uh, manage your, uh, well, your special abilities that you can bring in or power up during the battle, and also the ammo for all the guns that have a certain amount of ammo, and you have to either... Let them run out and reload, or reload them prematurely and swap them around. You know, because all the guns can be uh, swapped positions on the tower. Uh, at the maximum of rank, you could take in ten guns, and there's an elevator in the center of the tower that you could stow one gun in the bottom of to be able to swap them all around, which I absolutely loved the design of and loved how it worked. For the most part, it was a little finky at some times, because... Uh, as the guns fire, they build up this steam meter, which activates a special ability once it's full. But that is also tied to just clicking and dragging out to, uh, you know, uh, uh, to target the special ability. So there was a couple times I was uh, frantically trying to move a gun uh, that was charged, but it didn't have any ammo in it. So I wanted to save the charge for later. So drag it to the bottom of the uh, elevator and swap in one from the other <clears> side. If assuming that there's you know, no enemies over there, because sometimes enemies will attack one side of the tower. Sometimes they'll come in from both. Sometimes the battlefield will shift so the towers on one side of the screen and showing a bigger slice of the battlefield. But I uh, accidentally uh, did an inadvertent firing of the special ability, which was irritating. And also, certain enemies are weaker uh, to certain types of uh, guns. So the saw blade launcher, for example, certain enemies may take a, a critical hit from it, uh, from its special ability, while others uh, may take a, a, a huge amount of damage or lose their armor by getting hit by the Tesla gun. But I mentioned that all these guns are upgradable and they're, and they're your inventory items. They're not built on site. In order to upgrade the guns you have to get special resources. For one, you need, I believe it's Internium. It's a uh, green crystal that you get. And you could only hold so much of it. And as you upgrade your central base, your little secret hidden layer, uh, you increase the amount of storage that you get hold of it. Still, it's not a lot. And you're constantly either at max or you've severely dumped down. Right? Uh, especially if you're building up your base after leveling up your overall profile. So that is an irritant. But also, in order to rank the guns up from rank 1 to rank 2, you need a special item, which uh, is produced in one of the factories in the overall, overworld map, which you have to capture. And occasionally, the enemy faction, the cultists... Which, there is an overarching story to this game, but they didn't really do a synopsis of the original game's story. So, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. 
you know, there, there's a giant steampunk tower and it drops down from the sky and you shoot people. There, there's your story. But you have to capture the factories and then spend the internium there to manufacture one of the parts and have it shipped back. And shipping it back has a couple minute timer. And then, uh, in order to build up internium, that is also another timer by sending out your agents on special missions or getting lucky on the actual fighting and the levels because the levels do not give set rewards. They give you a loot box. Oh, boy. And that loot box system creates a very big feast and famine progression where there was quite a while where I was just getting unlucky with my drops. So I was pretty much broke and I wasn't able to really upgrade. I was able to get the resources I needed uh, the, uh, because uh, in order to upgrade, you have to put, a, I forget what they call it. They called it details, but that's not quite what they were uh, referring to uh, on the individual guns. Uh, but the loot boxes have different levels of these uh, upgrade parts, which add points to the gun, uh, essentially a level bar. And once it reaches a certain milestone, you pay gold and sometimes the Eternium to level up the gun. But I just didn't have enough gold. And I kept getting bad luck and was just getting all the uh, upgrade parts or all the uh, Eternium. And I was already maxed out on it. So I just eventually had to rerun the missions over and over again in order to build up the gold. And there is a uh, auto-resolve feature if you've already done that uh, particular map, but that also costs gold. And if you have a bad roll on the loot boxes that that rewards, well, you're going to end up losing money. And it also is factoring in, it has a three-star system. I mean, it's a mobile game. Of course it has a three-star system. Of course. And depending on the level, that's uh, the amount of remaining health that your tower has. So if you're at full health or above, I would say probably 80% health because it's not quite thirds uh, for the uh, first, uh, for the third star, you'll get three loot boxes. If you take too much damage, you lose a loot box. You barely scrape by, you only get one. And to repair your tower in between missions, that is also gold. So you're seeing the problem with this, right? <laughs> right. There's a lot of hurry up and wait in this game. There's a lot of uh, timers, uh, particularly on upgrading your stuff. I did have fun with the missions themselves, and the game throws a lot of varying enemies and a lot of different designs. Granted, it does kind of drip feed them. Uh, at the very beginning, because it, this is a free game on mobile. So if you want to try this out, go try it on mobile. Probably a tablet would be a lot better, though, because I cannot imagine playing this on a, a <clears> smartphone. <throat> There's way too many finick, little uh, uh, finicky buttons. Uh, but there's a lot of just mobile design that doesn't really translate well to PC. And because this is going to be a paid game, um, on the press... Uh, kit it actually had a range of five to ten dollars so i was you know, assuming in the ten dollar range but they've come back and said it's going to be in the eight dollar range so that's a little bit better but still 
it's a little bit of a hard pill to swallow whenever you have the systems in place that the free-to-play mechanics was going to bypass, I assume, because I don't have access to the review code of the mobile version. I only have it of the PC. But I'm seeing all the little places where the free-to-play would have the, you know, pay to avoid, uh, or the convenience pay, you know. Uh, you know, give us a, a, a dollar, uh, and we'll give you some coins, and you don't have to wait five minutes for your agent to go out and get some maternium and come back. Or, you know, that sort of thing. So, all the trappings are still there, all the timers are still there, but the uh, ability to skip them isn't. Granted, I wouldn't have paid to skip them anyway, but still, ugh. And, uh, well, there's also a, one other interesting thing. Is that the game has super weapons, which are also paid for gold, which I'm hoping is the free currency, <laughs> where uh, there's a artillery barrage, which essentially wipes one side of the tower. Uh, there's a energy pulse, which is a prolonged heavy damage AOE effect from uh, for both sides of the tower. And then there's a rocket barrage, which is a targeted uh, damage. Allows you to really hit something that has a lot of health on it. And then there's the steam eye, which is uh, another ability that charges up over time. Uh, as you call in waves early, it builds up this well, steam-powered bar. And as you upgrade the tower, you also gain additional overall charges that you can hold in between levels. And that's kind of your, you know, all crap, I'm about to lose. Quick, hit this button, right? But they're disabled on boss fights. And you can see, actually, two of the boss fights uh, in the screenshots. The giant uh, uh, spider thing. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah, like... Wi- it, yeah, it looks like... Wild, wild yeah, West I was spider? about to say, it looks right out of Wild Wild West. I mean, it's uh, steampunk, so... Uh, yeah, that's the first boss I encounter. I didn't Im- encounter the giant digging machine, but I think I was getting close to it. But, you know, some very uh, impressive design. <laughs> but, oh, Just uh, irritants, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I like the look of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I originally started playing. Uh, yeah, the first one is available mobile for free, and uh, that and the second one is going to be as well. Well, it's also a, <clears throat> a Flash game. Yeah, they. Uh, uh, it was on... originally released as a free-to-play Flash game on some Flash site, and they were contacted by a publisher to uh, publish it on mobile, but they had to completely redo the game. So that's, you know, while you see uh, a, a slight difference between the Flash version and the uh, mobile version. And I, I will say that at least based on what I played and what I could see on the original, this does look like a really good refinement. And there's a lot of interesting mechanics to be able to build up your guns and have an inventory to be able to swap out for particular missions is a very interesting to me. Uh, the gun upgrade system, uh, there's... A lot of times that the choices don't feel like they make much impact, though. Uh, one of the choices, for example, was a slightly faster charging up of uh, the special ability. 
or a slightly longer uh, special ability on the uh, use for the machine gun. So, you know, have it more often, slightly, or, you know, have it last slightly longer. Uh, others were sl- uh, a bit more ammo or or a bit more range uh, were two other ones I really remember, but it's like tw- plus 25 range whenever the guns already have 800, 900 range. Doesn't really make that much of a difference, at least in my opinion. Yeah. <clears throat> if it was more like 25%, that would be a much bigger, yeah. it, it just, a bigger boost. It just felt like the the upgrades, they didn't matter that much. I will say that going to tier 3 for all the guns, they have a special uh, a, a diverging path on the guns. And it didn't seem like that made a bigger difference between the guns. So maybe that is more important, the overall type of gun, than your actual... Uh, slight, uh, you know, changing of the upgrades. And also, there's no visual indication on what the upgrades are on the gun. So, because there's so much shuffling of the guns, uh, particularly on some of the more interesting missions, you're ending up shuffling and moving around the guns constantly. And if you have a gun that you really want to favor for a particular type of enemy... That's it's the same type, but you know maybe it has more ammo or fires slightly faster. It's going to be very easy to lose track of. I would have liked to have really seen some sort of, you know, uh, the ammo capacity shows like an, a a magazine on the on the gun slowly uh, getting longer, you know, something like that. But right. but there's none of that. It's only the tier of gun or the type of gun, and also the. Individual types, they require individual parts. So, uh, and overall, you're looking at, I think, five different parts per type of weapon. Uh, depending on your upgrade path, of course, so that does cut it down a bit. But if you're wanting a variety, you're going to have to capture a lot of different factories, and those wait times do add up. Grin, the timer does tick while you're in a mission, so you can you know, start the timer and then go on a mission. But that's still not ideal, especially if you're wanting to upgrade a gun for a particular mission, or you're wanting to build up a new gun and you don't and you didn't get the parts ahead of time. Then you have you know, probably about a five to seven minute wait just for that one gun because you also cannot order more than one part at a time because of course not. Whenever you start the timer, it ticks off, and for some of the more distant factories, the timer is actually slower than the train that carries it to your base. So, the timer could end, and you still don't have it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sucks. Yeah. Granted, that's one of the few times that you're actually able to have two trains moving with the same part, but that's not ideal. I do like, you know, seeing all the trains moving around on the world map with uh, the agents and everything. But, yeah, the fact that they're timers is irritating. But they're trains. Trains are the best. Right. (laughs) But, yeah, over it's one of those weird things that there... This comes in on the high end of the bell curve where I enjoyed the game overall. But, right... Yeah. 
and I will say that the animation uh, is really nice on the enemies, uh, especially, uh, you know, the big, chunky, like, walkers or the boss enemies. The ones that have a lot more room for the detail are really well done. And also, whenever the tower uh, gets dropped from the airship, because, of course, there's an airship, but it's not, you know, the uh, dirigible or uh, Zeppelin-type airship. It's actually, I would say, more... Uh, Age, uh, more shield headquarters, you know, the hover carrier. Yeah, uh, and I'm blanking on the actual name of the ship. The helicarriers. The, heli- the helicarriers. I wasn't sure if there was a proper, yeah, you know, actual name for their uh, base of operations. I don't think so. Not that I know but, of. Yeah, you know, it's a helicarrier, and, a ca- and it's carrying this essentially giant sword on the side. And on the boss missions, it gives you the full animation of it. Uh, swinging down uh, into a vertical position and then dropping from the sky and slamming into the ground. And then it all unfolds in, uh, to this uh, lattice work of uh, uh, tower uh, floors. It's a very well done animation. You can see some of the animation actually on the Steam store if you scroll down. Uh, some of the GIFs uh, show you good ideas. Uh, particularly, it shows you the first boss and how heavily it moves. Very mech. <laughs> Yep, and we love our big stompy Max. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's, uh, all the timers is the big thing that really pisses me off. But I do think you agree with the final feature point on this. Trains, developed by a railway <laughs> network for transport of agents and resources. Can't be steam trunk without trains. Nope. Gotta have some big steam locomotives with weird looking designs. Of course. So, yeah, that is Steampunk Tower 2. It's one of those things that if you could get past the trappings of a mobile port, it's a really good and interesting take on the tower defense genre. But, oh, and I, that's one other thing I forgot is that I talked about the super uh, weapons. There's also an additional modifier that you could buy for gold, and this is why gold is so important. And also, it's irritating that you have a maximum amount of gold that you can carry at one time. Uh, is that uh, during the missions, you could also uh, request additional support for that level. So, the super weapons carry over the entire game until you use them. So, if you buy, if you had a lot of money and you bought a bunch of uh, rocket barrages or artillery barrages, those will stick with you until you use them. Then there's temporary power-ups which are barricades around your tower, which will slow enemies, which is a one-time, uh, you know, one-level thing. There's a power-up that's a lot more expensive that increases the reload uh, and firing speed of your guns. Very good for very tough uh, levels. And I'm blanking on the... Oh, no, 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 no never mind. Uh, it makes it so that whenever you go into battle, you have a fully charged uh, superpower on all your guns. Good for, you know, uh, 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 levels that you are initially up against something that is weak to a particular type of attack. So, you know, there's a varying difficulty curve there. And I will say that the challenge modes, I just wasn't able to beat them. Uh, they were very difficult. And that was really the only time I really felt any challenge in the game or severe challenge. The boss fight uh, did was fun, though. It required a little bit of 
puzzling to figure out uh, how to counteract a couple of abilities it had. I don't want to spoil what the abilities are because it's rather interesting. But uh, they uh, bring in the idea of you have this giant tower and you're swapping guns around into the boss fight really well for the first one. It it looks and sounds interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> I would. Say- I'm gonna, I'll definitely check it out on mobile for sure. And if yeah, I, I would say this was. There, I would say this is probably better for a tablet game than a uh, than a phone game though. Because yeah, I don't have a tablet anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's just there's not a lot of room on the screen for mobile. And the and the tower has up to five uh, lo- uh, layers. You know, it's like an onion. <laughs> Or an ogre. Or a cake. Protected by a unicorn. <laughs> you have to post that picture on Twitter. <laughs> uh, how about your reaction to it? <laughs> I was very excited. Uh, very, I, very I excited. I went to grocery shopping this morning because I'm a night person, so I stay up uh, to go grocery shopping at stupid o'clock in the morning. Come around the corner, and there's just this giant balloon unicorn. <laughs> I'm not sure if it really shows the scale of it, but that thing was probably about four feet tall. It definitely looks big. I don't think I would have guessed four feet tall, but it definitely does look big. I mean, the uh, table that I was sitting on was uh, at about my hip. So, yeah, overall, what else you played, towers, sir? Uh, uh, pretty good. Uh, it's just yeah, a lot of trouble with it. Yeah, much like this next game, Rivercraft. This is one that popped up on my recommended things for, on Google Play, and it's one of those games that I initially had some fun with, but then I quickly ran into a wall. So Rivercra- Rivercraft, race your space car, is a driving 2D mobile game where you have to build a rover and get to the end of the level. You know, pretty standard. But they don't really do much with their theme, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. You go through the different planets, and they all feel very similar outside of just adding another uh, obstacle. Like, you go to Venus, and there's pools of lava. Uh... Earth, you have to avoid crates all over the place because Earth is a giant mess. You know, that sort of thing. But I would have thought that they would have messed with the gravity somewhat, you know? Uh, and also, all the individual levels. They have it where set up where it's not really a full requirement, but it's very, very difficult to get past them with a particular... Well, or sorry, without a particular power-up or a particular part for your rover because... It's chunk-based, so you build it out of all this assortment of parts. And if you don't have a particular part like the rocket booster, it's very difficult. Like in Venus, you have to, uh, very early on, there's this difficult jump that you have to have a certain amount of speed to get over this lava pit. But if you don't have the rocket booster, you're going to have to have some very highly upgraded tires to be able to get that speed up. So you see where we're going with this, right? Sorry, I was coughing. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one to edit. Yeah, for well, for you, a difficult yeah. one. Yeah, but you can see where we're going with this. Where I quickly hit a wall, just where 
it was turning into a grind to be able to afford the particular items I needed to even attempt to get past a, a, a certain percentage of the level. And that really turned me off. And also, uh, the uh, way they handle the microtransactions is a bit annoying, where you're essentially uh, paying... Well, you have the option to pay uh, for uh, premium currency. Yeah, pretty standard for mobile. But it's only for certain parts that you're available to buy it. You got to buy it with the premium currency. Otherwise... You're just paying into the wheel of fortune, essentially. Yeah, because that's not gambling at all. Definitely not. Uh, to yeah, hopefully get either a part that you need or an upgrade that you need because that's also on the wheel or just the raw money. Or you can just buy uh, into the lottery. And yes, they literally call it the lottery. <laughs> oh, good. Well, at least they're honest. And I just, I, first time I saw that, I thought, yeah, and this is not gambling. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those weird things that, uh, well, a lot of bubble titles are very front ended on their fun. I think you could agree with that one, right? Yeah, they try and get you hooked early before the grind gets too big. Yeah, and that's what really happened here. I got a uh, you know enough time to play on and off for a couple of days. Uh, yeah, pretty much my render time. Uh, but it started to get to the point where uh, it was getting very difficult to get any sort of real progress without particular without the particular parts. And also, uh, this is going to sound a little pr- uh, a little uh, PC master racy, uh, or actually kind of ironic saying PC master race with this. But I was really missing an analog throttle. Because it's handled, uh, the way you drive is uh, left, uh, you tap on the left side of the screen and you brake, or reverse if you stopped. Tap on the right, and you slam the uh, throttle at full. And this is a climbing game. So there's... So you really need to be able to be precise with it. Yeah, and there's no way to really do any precision. At least old man me, who hasn't grown up with these things, you know? There is a part that uh, is a gyroscope. Well, here's something else that kind of got me is that, okay, they have this theme of electric rovers. You know, you pick up batteries to recharge uh, your rover. And, uh, it, they use a fuel gauge, but, you know, uh, that's uh, decent enough. But in order to power uh, or get additional power to your wheels, you put an exhaust pipe on and it's showing smoke. <laughs> diesel electric generator no, no there is a generator part actually it's a wheel that as it spins it, uh, after so long it gives you a chunk of energy but that's a premium part and one of the levels I'm pretty sure is balanced around having that because it is a long 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 trek I'm talking Mark Watney long trek between uh, recharging pods and without that generator, you know, it was either be very, very, very precise and very frugal with your throttle, which I wasn't getting, upgrading your batteries to just a ludicrous degree, or swapping them out for the upper for the next tier up because there, of course, there's different tiers of batteries, right? There's different tiers of pretty much everything, 
Of course. It's a mobile game. Or, you know, fail. So I'm pretty sure that's bounced around having that premium part. And they do trickle you the premium currency in the lottery and in the daily challenge. Which there is a daily challenge, by the way. And there's also a challenge mode, which I have to say is the time I actually had the most fun with the game. Having some of the weird shit that they built. But that has a life system. Which every time you even attempt it, you're burning a life. And that's on a really, really long timer. So, yeah. Uh, it's one of those things that if you want uh, to play it for a bit, it's really good. And uh, a lot of fun for a short time, but you quickly run into that grind. That well, was good enough to talk about, at least, right? Yeah. It looks kind of cute, but I don't know if I'd like playing this type of game on mobile. I, I just wanted to try it out. Yeah. Fair play. And they do have a lot like, of cosmetic stuff as well. Uh, you know, of course, paid cosmetics. But some of it is definitely... Uh, yeah, it's cosmetic, but it's not. Especially the things like the track. Which, in order to get... I think you had to buy a pack. I, I actually never saw it in, uh, uh, in the game, but... I didn't look at all the cosmetic parts, but it's showing a you know a lot of cosmetics there, so I'm assuming it's from there. But yeah, once again, yo, know, if you get uh, something that sort of thing, it's uh, it's an interesting thing to play. But otherwise, uh, pass <clears throat> or play it for Fair a play? very short time. Okay, well, here's one that is I'm not through with the game yet. But, uh, it's really impressed me so far. Sally's Law. This is not a free game, but I got it for free because I follow the, the Google Play sales. And, and occasionally I see something that's decent enough to try it out. And uh, that was this case. And Sally's Law is a platformer. Where you're playing uh, actually a daughter and father duo. And it's story driven, which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting, you know, a cute little puzzle, uh, uh, cute little uh, puzzle platformer, and that's about it. But it really goes into uh, what a parent does for their child behind the scenes that the child never really doses until it's too late. Sally's level, the gameplay is actually in two parts. You go through the level as Sally, either as a little girl, uh, you know, 10 or so years old, who has had, uh, who is going through troubles with her father. He's having less and less time, uh, uh, to spend with her, uh, and grown more distant since his wife died. Yeah, yes, uh, we're getting hardcore for a puzzle platformer, right? On mobile. And all her levels are pretty easy to go through. It's, uh, yeah, you know, she's constantly moving forward and it's tap to jump. Uh, essentially an endless runner, only without the endless part. Then, after you get through uh, a set of levels, like three or four levels, you go back to the start and you see her father above her watching over her. And the father is having to uh, traverse another set of level above her 
and trip gates and uh, get obstacles out of the way of Sally as she progresses through the level for the fir- uh, that you played the first time. Uh, most of the time, that's uh, hidden away as well. Yeah, it's a very interesting concept. And it's also talking, uh, he's talking about how he wants to protect her and how he has to spend more time to be able to provide for her, uh, at work to provide for her. And he's uh, feeling bad about not being able to uh, uh, spend the time with her like he did. And also having concerns about her moving off to the city because she's wanting to be a writer and she wants to go to the city to have the, the life experience to be able to write about. You were not expecting this, were you? <laughs> no, it just looks like a weird roly-poly platformer. But it's, it's cute. It's got a really good... That's a really good, interesting way to... Uh, to show behind the scenes the struggles of a parent. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I think this is going to end up being a very sad <clears throat> story. Uh, just based on some of the stuff going on. I don't want to spoil the story. And I'm only about halfway through it. It has five chapters and I'm halfway through chapter three, which puts me right in the middle. Uh, but uh, it has some really interesting story gameplay mechanics. Telling the story through the gameplay, I should say. That I just was not expecting at all. And I'm really glad I caught this uh, in a sale to be able to you know, check it out. Because I always have this hesitation of uh, buying mobile games because I drop off of them so quickly so often. You know, it's... Uh, I'm not sure uh, uh, what to really call it. I'm sure you have a, a term for it. I actually don't have a term for that. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do the same thing. I'll pick up a mobile game and be like, wow, this is really cool. I like this. And then never play it again after the second time. Yeah, and... it. Uh, and even though this is, uh, well, two bucks for, uh, 49, you know, I, I have that hesitation of, I don't pl- stick with bubble games long enough. Would two, uh, two forty nine be worth it? Or, you know, some of the more expensive ones getting up in the $5 range. And, you know, I've heard people, uh, talking, uh, particularly total biscuit talking about, you know, uh, people balking at, uh, buying mobile games for, uh, a, essentially the uh, price of a good cup of coffee or a, or a sandwich. But uh, there's this uh, mental block for me where I just don't stick with these games at all, uh, alone. Uh, I don't value them as much as I do on PC. But at the same time, when I have a obviously mobile game come to PC and it has the trappings of mobile, I judge it, I judge it a lot more harshly because of the environment. So this is also the reverse of that, of judging by the environment, where I disvalue a lot of bubble games. But this is making me reconsider some of it. Yeah. I'll buy just about any mobile game if it's like two bucks. Like, if it's something that looks interesting to me. I just me, don't stick with I, them long enough. And I, most of what I have on my Google Play wallet is, well, actually, I shouldn't say most. It's all... It's just random surveys they sent me uh, through Google Rewards. You know, uh, filling in the gaps of their data about me. (laughs) But to be fair, they're already tracking. Indeed, they are. I fill out the Google Rewards surveys, too. Yeah. That's where I get a lot of little 
you know, dollar here, dollar there to spend on a mobile game. Yeah, I usually get somewhere around a quarter or so on the survey here, uh, you know, 50 cents there. Yeah, that they say, did you find anything when you searched this? Because I just typed in a word in the address bar to spell check it real quick. Whenever I was typing out something. Yeah. And Google Chrome's spell check was spitting out errors on me. It's like, did you mean this? Did you mean this? Do you mean this that starts with a completely different letter? Uh, so, yeah, maybe I should reconsider my, uh, uh, overall, uh, view of bubble games just based on this. Granted, you know, I'm not going to go, uh, crazy on mobile games. That's, uh, reserved for Steam alone. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I'll go crazy on mobile games every once in a while. Download 10 at a time and try them all out. I mean, I have a bunch of uh, just rated mobile games, so uh, free ones I haven't tried yet. I have a... Uh, is it considered a folder, or what is it called, a mobile? Uh, uh, just, uh, well, the a mobile equivalent of a folder. Because, yeah, mobile has to have its own little things, right? Or uh, I think own it's, terms. But I have a... They're called groups. Uh, groups, in, there we go. On my phone. Uh, I have my own little group of just random uh, games I've downloaded that I haven't tried yet. You know, it's like, oh, that looks interesting, download. That looks interesting, download. That looks interesting, download. And I realize I'm giving my info to everyone <laughs> by doing that. But, you know, uh, well, we, we've already shown that, that it doesn't really matter because Facebook gives it away anyway. <laughs> Too true. And also sad. So, how about one last uh, game? Absolutely. What'd you play, Rage? Uh, so... I played a game that is going to get Kyle's attention, Windward, or also known as the next entry on Better Than the Sea of Thieves lists. <laughs> uh, Windward is a sandbox uh, piracy trading uh, naval combat game that's uh, a lot deeper than I was really expecting it to be. Granted, it's not... Yo, it's not... Uh, hugely deep but it's not very shallow either it's a it's a fun pick up and play game i think is uh the best way to put it where you are uh, commanding a ship uh, and you're just going around doing missions uh trading uh, fighting pirates uh, joining the pirates potentially uh running trade routes uh taking drunken sailors off on mission uh, or uh little tourist tours uh, and it's uh, actually a lot of fun. It's uh, I would say it's more of a podcast game, though, than anything else, uh, because uh, the music does get a little repetitive. <laughs> uh, but you played Windward, so... Yeah, I've played it a little bit. I've never played it a ton. I've always intended to go back and play it, or even play it in multiplayer, because Kyle and Mel's had yeah, it, Kyle's, and I think Kyle a couple other people to, uh, do. to play with me, but I just hadn't played it before, so... I didn't know what the hell was going on, and it doesn't really give you an idea uh, going through. Uh, uh, at first, it drops you into the game and kind of just uh, kicks you in the ass and say, "Okay, there you go." You know, uh, uh, there's no real tutorials, but it's not that hard to figure out. It's just I've learned some time to be able to sit down and figure out on my own speed without trying to keep up with Kyle. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a fun, fairly easy to understand little game. I'm impressed at how small 
it is, like when you go to install it, because there's a huge amount of game packed into a tiny file size. Isn't it less than 100 megabytes? Uh, it's Yeah, it's pretty small, actually. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, recommended storage is 250 megabytes, but it's also a lot of procedural generation. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's procedurally generated. Yeah, so, a lot so of it. it's just texture files. It's not, you know, granted, models aren't that heavy on uh, on uh, disk base. It's mostly music, actually. Music and voiceover, you know, just audio in general. And because this has a looping soundtrack, uh, maybe that's, uh, you know, saving a lot of space as well. Yeah. But this is, uh, <clears throat> well, can't really call it a sandbox if it's at sea, can you? <laughs> uh, a waiting pool? Sea box. Ooh, waiting pool. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you know, not too deep, but, you know, nice to get in, splash around in a bit, then get out. Uh, uh, the trading mechanics are very basic, but uh, deep enough that if you want to uh, be a trader, you could uh, do that in-game. Uh, the uh, I haven't gotten to the point where I have all the inventory uh, filled out or for my ship, the, all the you know, upgrades. So there's some of them that I'm not quite sure what uh, what I could do. I would like to see uh, you know the ability to have more than one type of gun, but you know that may be asking a little bit too much of uh, a more simplistic game like this. They are working on a second windward though, so it'll be interesting to see what changes they do. That's good to hear. Yeah, uh, I was actually looking the forums uh, because I was uh, uh, missing the the repair button at the bottom. I just didn't see it. So it's like, okay, how the hell do I repair my ship? Do I just go back to port? Or, uh, uh, but I was uh, constantly in battle because uh, uh, the uh, the game has uh, a, sp- a spawning pirate ship. So if uh, there's a pirate town in the region or the pirates take over a town, the pirates will eventually start spawning from that a place. And there was a place uh, to the north of me that was constantly spawning ships. And it was keeping me in combat so I couldn't repair and I didn't realize yeah, what exactly was going on. But uh, overall, a fun little experience. It, it's kind of amazing that Sea of Thieves uh, kind of just fell so flat when there's games out there that are like this that really does it a lot better. Yeah, I've seen several or a couple of articles talking about the Sea of Thieves and all the content coming for it. And I'm like, that's great. Where was your content at launch game? Yeah, there was a big announcement talking about their roadmap, but uh, I think Sea of Thieves is going to be remembered as the next uh, uh, No Man's Sky. You know, promise a lot, but then just doesn't deliver, and then maybe the Games as a Service thing kicks in. Uh, you know, you see uh, it slowly add content, but I think that that's really going to cause a lot of trouble in the long run because... It really, really, really burns your initial buyers. And historically, that's what publishers and investors want are those initial sales. They don't care about the long tail. They don't care that uh, Skyrim has sold how many uh, versions uh, and how many copies over the years. What they really cared about was that initial sale, that initial week, that initial weekend, that initial day. And this game as a service thing is just treating games as an early access launch without calling them early access. 
is a fool's errand. And just go play Bethesda Windward cares. instead. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. Go play Windward. Or go play... If you want just a more uh, actual sailing game, go play uh, Make Sail. So, yeah. and so there's two sailing games. And there's actually a full-blown uh, sailing simulator that runs similar to how Sea of Thieves does, where you're uh, running around the ship and actually manipulating the things. I'm not sure if it was VR, though. I think that's a VR game. I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, Sail Away the Sailing Simulator. Uh, actually, Spaceman wants this game. Oh, let's see. I'm, uh, I'm looking to see if there's VR support for it. It doesn't list it as a requirement. So it probably has support. It definitely looks like a VR game. But, you know, if you want a more realistic uh, uh, sailing sim, there you go. Green, I've never played this, so I don't know how it does, but there you go. Uh, out, uh, thieve, uh, Sea of Thieves. Indeed. There. And maybe we should have traded yeah. off so uh, you don't uh, absolutely murderize your throat now. Yep. Yep. I didn't think about that until well, just now because you've thank- been muting. Thankfully, yeah, thankfully, quite a few of mine are pretty short. So, I took a trip down Keymailer Alley this week and decided to play a bunch of games, which I've gotten review keys for. So, to start it off, we've got Stardrift. Stardrift is a isometric drifting game, um, which is real bad. (laughs) It's real bad. Um... It it looks all right. I like the idea. I've seen a couple of games like this um, on Steam, and the the idea is that it's like you have no brakes uh, aside from your handbrake, which can't really stop your car very well. Just throw you into a slide, and you have to approach every challenge by drifting. And there's races like normal races that you can do. There's drift challenges. It's uh, sort of an open world. Um, there's different islands and like that each have different weather themes. The first island has got a few different things, but it's mostly like tarmac. Uh, now I'm trying to think of a game that I got uh, uh in Humble Bundle a while ago that is a lot better than this. All right, keep talking. Uh, <clears throat> there's another, but there's an island. It's like a desert theme. There's one that's a snow theme. There's one that's like uh, mountain themed. You know, you get the p- the picture. There's, I think, seven or eight islands total that you unlock as you go through. Um, and I like the idea, and I like the challenges that it presents you, and it's fun to just drive around a little bit. But the biggest problem with the game is that it just controls like an absolute mess. It's basically impossible to play with the keyboard because you need analog input to be able to control your throttle properly because with no real brakes... Gee, you've uh, had the analog problem as well? I know. Um, but with no real brakes, it you know, you can't really control drifting at full throttle all the time. There's not a lot of really wide, um, shallow curves where you can just go full throttle the whole time. But then whenever you go to use a controller, number one, you can't plug in a controller to use it in the middle of the game. You have to restart the game for it to detect your controller. You can't remap controls inside the game. Uh. You have to launch 
the little configurer oh, l- l- thingy. Let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Hello, my friend, Unity Launcher. Yeah. You got it. Um, but, and, and it doesn't tell you, because you can't launch the game and then map the controllers, it just has, like, generic controller, button one, button two, button three, to map to the different things. And on top of that, it's a, it has online multiplayer, but, like, they tout it as, like, local multiplayer, couch co-op. And it's one of those games that takes, like, the old school way of thinking where you can put four people on the same keyboard. Oh, no. And so, like, you could have to scroll through and find the player one controller controls and then figure out which button is button one, which button is well, button Well, it does even uh, list uh, the buttons. It's button one, button two. Yes. Oh. Correct. I- I'm glad I didn't play this. I actually got review code for it. And then on top of that, I was hoping that it would use the most, like, standard controller layout for racing games. But no, it doesn't. The left stick steers, which, good. Right trigger, gas, good. Everything else, completely wrong. There's no brakes, so the left trigger doesn't do anything. And the handbrake is on the right bumper, at least on the Xbox controller. So... That's weird and doesn't feel right. And then A, B, X, and Y do like camera things um, oh, oh, hang and on, hang adjust on. stuff around. Uh, uh, yes, this is an absolute drift. Go play absolute drift instead. Yeah, I've seen absolute drift before. Um, I've never played it, but it looks good. Uh, it sounds. Uh, I haven't played the uh, one you're talking about, but this actually handles really well. Yeah, I think Star Drift is trying to be like Absolute Drift, but it's just doing it badly. Let's just put it this way. Putting Drift on the Steam store does not help finding this game. Nice. Um, But yeah, it also looks real bad because it's a, a Unity game and well, it's, well, it's very not, clear that... Well, it's not that, fair to say it looks bad because it's a Unity game. Well, it's, it's a low-effort Unity game visual. Or maybe low-effort's the wrong way to say it like either it's low effort or it's one dude and his skill is not in uh artwork and animation like the screenshots look fine well, but when you're actually playing either. it <laughs> definitely not in uh controller layout design i mean it's not bad it's not the worst game i've ever seen it doesn't feel like an asset flip if he purchased assets, he either got them all from the same pack so that they are cohesive. match theme-wise. Yeah, they're, they're cohesive, but they don't look good. It just all looks messy. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I've spent the entire drift. time trying to find Absolute Drift because I, I remember to have Drift in the title, but yeah. Agreeing, Absolute yeah, Drift fine. is a lot more minimalistic. And it's also cheaper. Yeah. I thought they were both eleven ninety nine. I thought it was a. I thought Absolute Drift was ten. Uh, Maybe it is. But yeah, I think the problem is that they're trying to go low poly, but it doesn't look that good, particularly on uh, the. Oh, what screenshot is this? The, the second to last. Uh, they try to go low poly with the cliffs, 
but the cliffs on the bottom uh, edge, it just looks like they're kind of jutting up instead of down because of how the uh, shadows are. Yeah. I imagine that would be hugely distracting. Plus, it also looks like it's one of those where it obstructs your view occasionally with the uh, environment. Yes, it does. It does do that. And the camera tries to compensate by swinging wildly in a direction where you don't want it to go. Oh, because that's going to be useful. So then you can't see the road or where you're going or it makes you disoriented because it'll change orientation slightly to peek around an object. I mean, some of these levels, they don't look bad. Uh, uh, the low poly, uh, low detail design does work. Uh, uh, can work, I, I, could, I, say, I could say. But I think the problem is... Okay, okay, now I see what the problem is. That It's kind of uncanny on the track with uh, the dirt track. All the trees are exactly the same and exactly the same orientation. Look at that. It's, uh, it makes yep. it uncanny. Yep, and that's everywhere. I mean, even if you wanted to use the same tree, rotate the uh, rotate the fucker. Yeah, and it, the uh, whole game is like uh, that. Yeah, Everything uh, feels that way. Again. I did it. Uh, you're still a bit low. Well, uh, okay, shit. Now you're fixed. It looks fine in Audacity, so... Maybe it's just uh, Skype uh, being a bitch. But yeah, uh, that's uh, that's actually something I learned playing City Skylines, is that even if you use the same uh, you know, thing over and over again, the same tree particularly, just a slight rotation, so it's not copy and paste, makes things look a lot better. And this looks like... It's low effort in its design. It's low effort in its presentation. And when there's a lot more games out there now, you can't really afford to be low effort anymore. There was this uh, yeah. talk I saw uh, talking about how it's no longer enough just to be on Steam. That's no longer your entire marketing is, I'm a Steam game. Now you have to put effort in uh, out there to get noticed because there's so much out there on Steam. You're just going to get drowned out if you don't put forth the effort, and this game isn't. Particularly, uh, even the buttons are very low effort. <laughs> you know, end, escape, uh, restart, return. But but yeah. it looks like it. You know, it looks like something I could do in ten seconds. I mean, not even shading. And it just looks like also the shadows aren't quite right on some of these assets. Uh, yes, now I'm looking closely at the assets. The art, the the gameplay guy is looking at art assets. Well, on all the screenshots and everything, it, the camera's all pulled out, so it's more difficult uh, to see. But when you're playing, uh, the camera's closer. Uh, screenshot three has it pretty close. And uh, the I'm assuming those are supposed to be stacked up tires, but. They just look like uh, uh, tubes. Yeah. So yeah, that's Star Drift. Not very good. If it was like free to play, if, if, you could if, dig if around it was, in it for if, a little while. If it was while. a five dollar game, it, uh, would it be worth it? No, but only on the basis of how frustrating it is to try and get the controller set up right. If they had more standardized controls or just made it easier to remap the controls $5 yeah it was worth it 
but it's so frustrating to get it working right that no, I don't, I wouldn't want to buy this. I'm, I'm glad I did not pay any money for this just because I was so frustrated trying to get the damn thing to work right or control right. Yeah, if you want to make your game uh, minimalistic, you have to make it clean. You have to make it fun. Uh, particularly, you have to make it fun. Uh, usually. Indeed. And moving on to a minimalistic game, which is fun. Next game on my list, Bare Metal. Bare Metal is super minimalistic. Really low poly. The whole game plays with four buttons. And it is a tug-of-war style game that's sort of rock, paper, scissors-y. Okay. Uh, each button is tied to a specific unit. There's a helicopter, a tank, an anti-aircraft gun, and then uh, like a suicide bomb truck, which carries like a, a mini nuke. Like you do. <clears throat> and you have a, a power level that's constantly building over time, and each of these units costs different amounts of money to spend. And the helicopter beats tank, Anti-aircraft gun beats helicopter, and tank beats anti-aircraft gun. And then they're each, like, equally effective against themselves. And uh, you just have to outsmart your opponent by deploying the right units at the right time to take them out and destroy their four little towers before your four little towers get destroyed. Every time a tower is destroyed, you lose the ability to produce that unit, but you get a one-time resource boost so that you can hopefully do like a little comeback. But if you wind up two towers down, you're probably fucked. I would imagine one tower down would be very uh, difficult if the AI was anywhere intelligent. Yeah. Um, it's got multiplayer. Uh, then there's an AI. And the AI uh, scales its difficulty based on how many wins and losses you get against it. And it, that sort of acts as its tutorial too. It has like one splash page that's like, Here's what the buttons do. Good luck. Enjoy. And the AI starts out re at really disadvantaged uh, in terms of their resource speed. And you'll win like your first four games, no problem, and have the hang of it. And then game five, they're on an even playing field with you. And that AI is smart. Either that or I'm dumb. Because I'm usually pretty decent at games like this, but it... it Tends to stay around level 5 or 6. And 6, the AI has a slight energy advantage over you. But I've never beaten AI level 7. But it's just a really fun game. It takes about 2-3 minutes for most of these matches to play out. And there's no, like, waiting period or penalty or anything. I mean, it's a free game. So they could, like, cram it with microtransactions and timers and energy bars. But they didn't. It's just a fun... It feels like a student project game that was done really well. And the teacher was like, hey, you should put that somewhere and let people play it for free. Make this part of your portfolio. And I guess because Steam Direct, they were like, fuck it, I'll put it on Steam. Yeah, give up a hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, it's not like... It's not an amazing game by, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. There's not a ton of depth here. Unless you're just really into this type of simple strategy game. But I played it for a couple of hours total and really enjoyed every moment of it. And I've considered going back and playing it. The only thing that really has kept me playing it as like a render time game, because I mean, 
it this really doesn't require any horsepower at all. It was running at like nine thousand FPS. <laughs> oh, but was it over um, nine thousand? It, I can't unfortunately do the voice. My th- my throat won't allow me. But yes, it was over nine thousand. Um, so running it would be easy, but typically whenever I render, I have mobile games that I play. But I played this game for a little bit with my kid too, because it's just four buttons. Um, I use a controller, so it's A, B, X, and Y. I don't remember what the buttons are on the keyboard. I looked at it briefly, but then I just used my controller. But it's just a minimalist, fun, simple, quick and easy strategy game. And I would say that anybody who wants to, who needs to kill, you know, 30 minutes or an hour, is free. Yeah. It's pretty good. Worth a shot. And I'm going to keep an eye to see if this person makes any more games or has made any more games. But, oh, whoops, I got all my filters turned on. Have they made any more games? Uh, the, Family Jewels. Yeah, which I do have, a, a, I'm pretty sure this is review code. I do have a copy of that. Well, this looks terrible. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean it's I definitely would... a Unity asset store. Honestly, though, bare metal looks doesn't look great, but because it's so clean, you can forgive it. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen that car about a thousand times now, and it doesn't really gel up. With, uh, just look at the uh, at the concert and look at the different player characters or the different uh, well, human models uh, on display there. Yeah, is that? Trump uh, playing the guitar with the that 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 looks like uh, Trump, doesn't it? It does indeed. No longer want to play any of his games. Yep, I no longer want to play any of his games. Bare metal, good. This one doesn't look so much. It looks like uh, they he wanted to do something like Goat Simulator, maybe another student project game. He was like, "I'll sell this one." People will buy this yeah, one. Yeah, for 10 bucks. I'll, I'll give the other one away for free. But the other yeah, one's your first hit's clearly free. the better game. <laughs> Anyways, uh, next game on my list, Defense Task Force Sci-Fi Tower Defense. Yeah. Terrible name. Yeah, this is, Good this is game. one I've had in my backlog just because it has a July release date. <clears throat> yeah. That, I don't want to uh, uh, yeah, try until closer to release. Yeah. Terrible name. Really good game, uh, gameplay mechanics wise, and it's doing a couple of things that I haven't seen with a tower defense before. I don't know if it's completely original, but I've never seen it before. So, for the most part, it's your standard tower defense game. A uh, um, non amazing variety, have, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. There's a tiny bit of amazing, but it basically comes down to cut off this path or cut off that path. Most of your mazing comes from one of the things that I haven't seen it done or haven't seen done in other tower defense games before is that you can purchase or unlock or research. It's not microtransactions, but I, it's super early, so some of the stuff still isn't quite clear. Yeah, that's why I haven't played this yet. How it's going to play out. <laughs> but it, you, you unlock different... Um, tile sets for a, a certain map which allow you to survive longer. So most tower defense games are 
survive the waves and defend your tower. This tower defense game says, just survive as long as you can. Your tower is going to get exploded no matter what you do. And you get bonuses for reaching certain milestones and levels. There's certain mile or certain um, amount of waves you have to survive to quote unquote beat a level. But you get bonus rewards the longer you go. And the sort of story hook for this, because it, it goes the defense grid route of trying to put together a full-blown campaign story. Yeah, it's defense grid is was that, very interesting how they did the story. Yeah. Uh, but in this, it's Earth is running out of energy. And we've discovered this alien planet, or this alien material that... Um, is infinitely sustainable energy, uh, but it only exists on this one planet, and you have to harvest it by killing these alien creatures. I think I've seen this movie before. Are they giant Smurfs? <laughs> no, they're alien monsters. I don't think any of them look like Smurfs. But, uh, so you've gone there, and, like, you're the head of the, I don't know, the mining, alien energy mining division? Um, and there's different areas on the map which you have to um, explore, perform recon missions on, which costs some of your resources. There's a lot of details on everything from the weapons to the alien types to the different locations on the planet. And you'll go to a spot on the planet and you'll plop down, uh, depending on which map or tile set you pick for the map that you're on, and it plops down your cheap, your, your cheapo energy harvester and you kill aliens as much as possible to get as much energy as possible. And you get to keep 1% of all of the energy harvested to upgrade your towers, unlock new stuff, and be able to unlock new areas and things like that. And then once you go past whatever, however many waves it takes, you start getting a bonus percentage. So the longer you survive, the more more stuff you can get. And I mean, it is it is a tower de- defense game. If you don't like tower defense games, you won't like this. But if you do like tower defense games, particularly if you like defense grid, and you want to well, see, I would say a this new... is uh, not quite defense grid because defense grid is a lot more mazy. This is more laying defense. No, it, it is. But in terms of, as long as it turns out being more flushed out than it is in its current state, the the story part, that's where I'm saying if you like defense grid, then you might like this. But I mean, as a tower defense game goes, it's it's a solid tower defense game. It's got a it's got a nice little soundtrack too. There's some little techno electronica stuff going on. But it's a fun game. Doesn't look all that bad either. The aliens look kind of weird. They're alien. They are alien. So I like it. It was a good game. I intend to keep playing it. It's also a really good podcast game. Um. Because the uh, the goal is to survive as long as possible, sometimes you'll wind up on levels for 15 or 20 minutes before you get overrun, just managing your towers and your upgrades and stuff. And it's, that's good for listening to podcasts. But that is that. On to my next game, which I'm not going to, I'm barely going to talk about. I played Transport Fever this weekend. Hang on, I'll, uh, I'll put on my shock face. <laughs> I had uh, a little bit of a rough week last week. really busy with some stuff and then uh my grandmother wound up in the hospital for a couple of days which i think i'm pretty sure i told you about that right actually no 
I oh, I could have swore I did. Well, yep, my grandmother wound up in the hospital for a couple of days. And she's okay. They think her problem is that she's just getting old and her body's starting to fail her. But duct tape. that was stressful. Yeah, duct tape and uh, Gorilla Glue. But that was stressful. Uh, so I just wanted a, a comfort game to play and listen to some podcasts. So I played Transport Fever for, I don't know, a dozen hours this weekend or over the last few days. It's still Transport Fever. If you've heard me talk about it before, I have nothing new to add at this point. I guess if you don't know what it is, it's a transportation management management game game where that you manage rail, air, truck, and boat transportation for passengers and cargo. It is a solo game, so there's no AI or no AI competition, no multiplayer, just you and yeah, just try not to fuck and, up, right? Yep, don't fuck up. So, it's fine. There's tons and tons and tons of mod support for this game. It's got like five or six thousand mods in the Steam Workshop. Most of it is adding new vehicles or stations or things like that. But there's a lot of cool cosmetics and some pretty big game changing ones as well. I like all the future stuff that they added. Maglev uh, trains? My favorite. Yeah. Quite a few maglevs, actually. It's all it's all modded stuff. But, um, Urban Games, which are the people who make Transport Fever, get that on PC, the long tail really matters, and one of the best ways to ensure you have a long tail on your game is mod support. So, from day one, they've been all about mods and have had several mod competitions um, for various themes and future content was one of them. It's been, it's been fun. It's a good game. If you like that sort of thing. But that's really all I'm going to say about it. And goes chugga chugga. I've talked about it to death in the past. Choo choo. Uh, next on my list, Armory and Machine. This is a mobile game. Um... And it's a weird experiential mobile game. So I can't really say anything about it without ruining it. Um, it's interesting. It's fun. Yeah, they really don't show anything what this is. Is this a clicker? It's something. Uh, I guess I'll talk baby spoilers. The game starts as a clicker and evolves into an RPG. Okay. It's the first 20 minutes are really tedious. I'll admit. Um, but once you make it past that, past the initial clicker stage, the game starts transforming into something else. And I'm not, I don't know how far I am. I don't know how much longer I have to go. Until I've completed the story. But it's really got me intrigued. In the way that the story is told. And that's really all I can say without spoiling. I've kind of already spoiled the first thing that's like. Hooks you in and is like whoa. Okay that's different. But. Yeah. It's a weird game. It's free. As far as I know it's on. uh, The Play Store and iOS. So if you want to check out something that's a little weird, pick up 
or go play Armory and Machine. Last game on my list, the one that I had the most fun with this week in terms of new games, is Snake Pass. Snake Pass is a physics puzzle platformer. Sort of. 3D physics puzzle platformer, sort of, where you play Noodle, the cutest little snake you've ever seen. And you slither slither around the levels, picking up uh, coins for some reason, and bubbles for some reason, and little pieces of totem, which are part of the story. There's been some calamity, and Noodle is the guardian of the forest, and he has to go restore all of the artifacts to reopen all of the warp gates between the different floating islands. The game is absolutely adorable. It's a really fun, interesting, in-depth, difficult physics puzzler with the way that you move around. So you're a snake, you have no arms, no legs, you have to slither everywhere. Um, but you're a really long snake, so you, that's how you traverse the levels. You will wrap yourself around stuff and slither up it, or you wrap yourself around branches or like these little bamboo pipes to traverse really long and don't you have like, the serpentine to be able to actually move at a decent clip yeah if you just hold down right trigger which is how you propel yourself forward uh you'll move pretty slowly but if you actually slither serpentine like a snake you'll move pretty quickly and then in water you move really fast um but uh, being a snake and moving around, it it's just different and fun and presents some really interesting and unique challenges because in other platformers, you could just jump or grab onto a ledge and you'd be fine. But if you accidentally get too much of your body off of like a, a piece of bamboo, bamboo that you've coiled around, you're just going to fall because you have too much of your weight forward and you don't have enough strength at the end of your tail to grip onto stuff to try and swing yourself back around. Yeah, I've seen some very I mean, interesting uh, tech stuff behind this game, uh, about how they control it. Uh, it's essentially a series of weighted balls uh, uh, inside the yeah. body. That makes sense, actually. Because it does feel like that. It feels uh, like a... a... A snake. Yeah. But yeah, it's very I mean, this interesting. Is... This is a game that's designed for kids, so there's no real penalties if you fall and die. You can fall and die as many times as you want to, as, uh, which is one of my kids' favorite thing to do, is to just drive Noodle off of the edge and be like, oh no, Noodle, he fell and died. It's like, that's because you drove him off the edge. Your kid is uh, mean to Mr. Noodle. <laughs> my kid is mean to Noodle. He, like, smacks him against things, and he smushes him, and there's, like, some cutesy physics deformation but, but adorable. on like, the smushy face noodle is really adorable this is one of only three games that everyone in my family enjoys playing it i like it because it's actually got some real depth and challenge to it for going and getting all the bubbles and the coins which are like the extra collectibles the um the three main like totem pieces you have to collect on every level are relatively easy to get i mean you have to make use of the new mechanics that you learn as you go through but 
I mean, they're all really easy to get. My kid is able to beat the first few levels. My four-year-old is able to beat the first few levels um, before they really start adding any new mechanics in. And with a little bit of help, he can beat the later, later levels too. I have to help him climb up some of the more difficult stuff. And then he just drives right off. Oh no, Mr. Noodle. Just do that. Oh no, Noodle. I've recorded several videos. <laughs> I might post one for everyone to see. But uh, but my kid loves it because it's cute. I mean, it's you know made for him. I love it because it's actually a, a really well-designed game that has got some interesting in-depth mechanics. And then Katie loves it because it's easy enough for her to play too. Because Katie's really bad at video games, traditionally. Well, we're going to have to get her on gaming boot camp. And recorded, of course. <laughs> now, this is um, your yeah. gun. There's many like it, but this one's digital. So, yeah, Snake Pass, uh, Mario Kart, and... Um, spin Tires. Uh, spin Tires are the only games that all three of us like to play. Which, technically, you can make it four if you want to split up the Spin Tires into the two games. Yeah, technically. It's technically correct. Um, there's some other mechanics, too, that get introduced. Uh, like, you have to use the physics to manipulate levers and things. And again, because you don't have hands or feet, you have to be a snake, and you'll have to slither up and wind yourself around a lever, for example, and rock yourself over so that your weight topples the lever over. Um, you can use your snake body to propel, or to, like, push boulders and stuff, um... There's yeah, I'll be definitely picking this up uh, during the summer sale. Yeah, there's lots of little stuff, and I mean we've we've only made it to like level seven or eight. I don't know how many levels there are, but my kid's a completionist, and so he doesn't like to leave a level until we collect all the bubbles, all the coins, and even the if it's pieces. a Metroidvania style game. <laughs> yeah, you should introduce him to Metroidvania and start recording. Oh God, <laughs> how am I supposed to get up there forever? <laughs> Um, so far, nothing seems to require mechanics that you get okay, later you said on. you on what level? We're on seven or uh, eight. Do you want to know how many there are? Sure. Fifteen. Okay. So we're about halfway there then. Um, the game's got three modes. It's got story mode, arcade mode, and time trial mode. And I don't really know what the difference is between story mode and arcade mode, honestly. It seems the same. I don't know if there's something counted separately. Uh, you can only play story mode until you've beat a mission once. And then you can go back and play arcade. And then the time trial mode is exactly what it sounds. It times you for how long it takes to collect the totem pieces and, and yeah, win. But how does he uh, actually manipulate the stopwatch? <laughs> With his mouth. I don't want to use the stopwatch anymore. You can uh, you can change Noodle's expression. He has four expressions. You can use the D-pad on your controller <laughs> to change his expression. He makes lots of cute little noises. The only problem I have with the game is the soundtrack is super repetitive. Uh, it, well, it's meant for kids, one, so of course it's repetitive. There's one song for each level set. They're broken up into sets of, of five. And there's one song for each five levels in the set. And then you get a new song for the next five levels. And it gets real old fast. 
I mean, it's it's good. Like the the soundtrack is nice, but when you've heard the same song on loop for three hours, that's uh, that's enough for huh. me. Interesting. Uh, I, I, well, I was seeing what else they've made, and uh, that's a well, they made Sonic and Sega All Stars Racing. I didn't realize that was the same developer. I love Sonic All Stars Racing. Cool. But yeah, uh, if you have kids up to the age of ten, they're gonna love this. Um, I don't know if you're. Your your preteen or your teenager is gonna like it because they might be too cool for too it. Too edgy. You gotta let them go yeah. to the uh, store with uh, all the emo kids. But yeah, I mean, if you like puzzle games or if you have a kid that's ten or younger, this game is amazing, and I would recommend it to anybody. Uh, don't try and play it keyboard and mouse. It's functionable, but it's much better with a controller. And as far as I know, it supports all controllers by default. Like, you don't have to do anything weird. But yeah, Snake Pass. Good game. So, don't pass Real on it. Real good game. Don't pass on it. Yeah, I don't think it's gone on a major discount until it was in the Humble Monthly. Yeah, that's that's where I got this from, was the Humble Monthly. But uh, yeah, that's it for the games we played this week. Hey, look at the 90-minute mark. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go get something warm. And then hawk it up. Yep. So let's take a short break here. And then when we come back, we'll do the news. Assuming you then, you know, completely throw out all your lungs. Remember, hold on to one. <laughs> Indeed. We will pick up where hey, we look, left Franken off content. with the news. <laughs> uh, are we going to skip the YouTube stuff again? Because we did 90 uh, minutes. Let's see where we're at when we're done talking about the news. Uh, Our first news topic of the day, or the night, Cliff Blazinski accuses Epic Games of stealing their staff. (laughs) Oh, boy. Is it me, or can he not stop causing drama and bad, bad juju around his games lately? Yeah, no, I I think that that's a thing that he's just doing. Cliffy has always had a knack for drama in the public eye. I mean, I obviously I have never met him or never talked to him, but some people that uh, I follow, like on YouTube and Twitter and stuff, who have say that like privately he's a really cool, chill, down to earth guy. But he gets on but stage. His public, yeah, but his you know when he gets on stage, he goes crazy. And does have a thing for drama. So he went on Twitter and said some stuff. I'm pulling up the, if you have the article yeah, open. Uh, he said, hey, Epic, hey, at Epic Games, can you please stop trying to hire away my team? We just launched Radical Heights on uh, Unreal 4 and are really happy with how it's going. There's room in the, at this genre for more than a few games, uh, SMH. What does SMH mean? Maybe I'm old. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. I, I, no, I, I don't. Re- I don't I know what really SMH think about means it until. Uh, Yo, know, I was reading that. It's like, wait, is that an acronym? I don't know. Uh, shaking my head. 
uh, at least according to yep. Google. Well, welcome to the old man portion of the podcast where we don't know what, but... where we say get off our fucking lawn. I mean, <clears throat> I feel like one of the old women in that uh, that Facebook commercial or whatever, where it's like, that's not how any of this works. Where they're like trying to do Facebook in real life, and they're all sitting around talking in the living room, and one of them's like. You make me so mad. I'm going to unfriend you. You're not my friend anymore. She's like, has all these pictures taped to the wall and she starts pulling them off. She's like, I don't want to see your pictures anymore. And then lady stands up. She's like, that's not how any of this works. That's what I feel like right now. Well, at least I wasn't the only one that uh, didn't know what SMH stood for. Well, I mean, I feel like you have more of an excuse than I do. You're not an old man, but you're a decade older than I am. Hey, I'm wait, still in my twenties, man. I should know all this stuff. Yeah, but see, that would require you to be hip. Uh, Do they still call it hip? I've, I've got a hip. I think I would have to be on fleek. I heard what? my yeah, I heard my cousins who were teenagers say that. The ones who I've described before as more like my nieces and nephews. I heard them say that over Easter when we all got together. Hang on, go on to uh, Urban Dictionary. Pretty sure this is a, a sexual thing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Okay, back to the... God, we're old. <laughs> I like it. I like being old and not knowing what the kids these days are saying. Yeah, but see, the thing is that we're having to go to out of the loop uh, more for answers than uh, giving... Uh, or more. Yeah, more for the answers than to, you know, supply the questions. Or we need to you know, supply the questions more than just getting the answers now. Right? It's like, what does this mean? Okay, so back on topic? Yeah. Sure. So, uh... I'm looking up on fleet. <laughs> uh, I'm immediately fins... Uh, uh, I'm reading directly from the comicbook.com article. Took, uh... Uh, took to the thread to share their thoughts, including one Epic Game employee himself. Uh, we have plenty of ways to uh, make it our own, but they may never see the light of day if uh, they keep doing this. And William McCarroll said, With all due respect, assuming that Epic is the one stating, uh, starting contact slash poaching, it's a bit presumptuous. We all had our own reasons for making the choice to leave uh, big, uh, big Key Productions for Epic. And to act like we're, we are commodities that are being stolen is a bit hurtful. We're people first and foremost. <laughs> Damn. Right? So on fleek <laughs> means basically on point or, you know, well done or good. So, uh, so bad? Why, but it means good. Why would it be bad? <laughs> uh. Alright. Sorry. I'm I'm done with that adventure. Now. I'll pay attention. Uh but yeah, it's just basically uh, Cliff Blazinski, Cliffy B, because we we have to call him Cliffy B because he hates the uh the term Cliffy B. Uh is in competition with Blue Hole for the sourest of sour grapes in the industry, uh, at least in this genre. 
after really kind of driving lawbreakers and a lot of people that may be interesting, uh, interested in the game away. And now it looks like he's doing it all over again, doesn't he? Yeah, I intended to play Radical Heights this week to just see. And I do like the art direction or aesthetic of it. That's or at least 80s. what's completed of it, because there's a lot of placeholder and there's a lot of missing textures. Yeah, that but that 80s running man type of thing, I think that's neat. So I just wanted to like check it out, but I didn't get I'm to it. I'm actually surprised we haven't seen week. a proper take on the running man. Yeah, me neither, actually. Because that would be a... I mean, running the Running Man was was a, basically a video game. I mean, you know, I know it's not, but basically that's a video game. You go through a series of levels, killing everyone in your way to get to your goal. Video game. Bam. Although they had... Um, I mean, Evolve tried to do it? this, but turned into more hot and seek. They have to be very careful on how they balance it, but... The Running Man could be its own thing. What was the... It's it's an older game. It was an arcade game, and it might have came to older home consoles. Something TV. Smash TV. Smash TV. Yeah, that was a twin-stick shooter that uh, was basically a score attack game. Yeah, but wasn't that... It was yeah, like it had a, the, yeah, a it had game the same, show uh, thing. style, yeah. And a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, it uh, was styled after The Running Man itself. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah, that's why I was I was thinking like there was a sort of inspired Running Man inspired game. Yeah, but with the uptick on Battle Royale, uh, you could see a subgenre of Battle Royale where it's, you know, uh, one versus, you know, like 10. Uh where the one is trying to escape. Granted, it, it yeah. has to be done a more uh open world-ish. They couldn't do it like the Running Man where uh, they could just sit and wait because then you're turning it into what Evolve had problems with where it was just a hide-and-seek game. Yeah, it has to have yeah. some sort of active pursuit and active uh, com- uh, combat between uh, the, the competitors, I mean, uh, while being on the move. Yeah, it'd be very tough to balance and very tough to iron out, but we are completely off topic. <laughs> Indeed. Cliffy B's a drama queen. Will his drama wreck another game? His, uh, another uh, well, game. I have to wonder uh, if this is a sign that... It, well, Rackle Heights already feels like it's a Hail Mary play, you know, being rushed out way too early to begin with. Uh, that, you know, things are very, very bad at that studio with people leaving and he's yelling at the rats for leaving a sinking ship. I mean, that's what this feels like to me. Yeah. I'd say Cliffy himself will be fine. He's a a big enough name and face in the industry. And unless he put all of his money into this project, he's still got some bankroll. But, I mean, I don't blame his employees for wanting to leave. For actually wanting some job security. Because... Yeah. uh, It... It feels like Rackle Heights is that you know, last gasp. And I'm not the only one that said that. And if, yeah. if it continues to trend downwards, which it is starting to on Steam uh, charts, created less than a week and it's a you know, middle of the week. So it's not fair to say, oh, well, it's trending downward. The game's dead. 
Uh, no, it's not. It still has several thousand players. It, it's still well enough off that it's not going to have matchmaking problems yet. But if they don't turn this around and make it at least a viable Battle Royale game, I think their, their studio is gone. And you, you were talking about how, you know, Cliffy B, he's a big enough name. He could uh, bounce back from this. It wouldn't ruin him. Well, Peter Molyneux, he's also a big name and he's also, you know, doing fine. But he's also a joke. Yeah. Cliffy feels more like a joke, though, than Peter Molyneux. Like, just looking at, at Cliff Blazinski, I feel like he he makes a better joke than than old Molyneux. Well, that's just because uh, um, Mr. Cueball himself is a bit of an old joke these days. And you kind of uh, see it coming. It's, you know, uh, Peter Molyneux is the equivalent of a knock-knock joke. You know that there's a punchline coming, so it takes some of the impact out. What I'm, I know that Cliff has worked worked on Gears of War. That's where he really became known. Mm-hmm. What else has he done besides that and Lawbreakers? Well, let's see. Uh, video games. Uh, he's uh, he did the Jack Jazz Jackrabbit series back in the nineties. Unreal uh, up through Unreal Championship two. Gears of War, Gears of War 2, Shattered Complex, Bulletstorm, which also didn't do all that well. Um, but that's, I wouldn't put that on his feet. That's more games from just live fucking that up. Gears of War 3, super hot co-designer uh, of an arena stage, so not really there. Lawbreakers of Radical Heights. So he hasn't actually done a lot outside of Gears of War and Unreal. Yeah. So he might have been known back in the Unreal days, and I didn't hear about him until Gears of War. But yeah, I think he had a a, a okay. leading role in Gears of War. He was a director, so yeah, I watched. I remember watching like some because I I had the I don't know like the Steel Back Special Edition or whatever for Gears of War because I was a kid then and I used to buy shit like that because I was dumb. But it did include a lot of bonus features, and he yeah, it looks like he was a designer. Did a number of, a of interviews, these, and... so, so yeah, he's uh, maybe he just didn't get a lot of attention until Gears of War because Gears of War was a pretty big game back in its day. Yeah, yeah, Gears of War was one of the big, one of the bigger system sellers for the Xbox 360 in the early days. That was one of their big flagship franchises. It was Halo and Gears of War. That was about it that I remember people being like, buy an Xbox 360 for this. At least in, you know, like I said, in the early days. Because Gears of War came out on the third or the fourth year of the Xbox 360? Um, I don't know. I can't remember. I, well, I, mean, I, I wasn't I, a console player. The Xbox 360 launched in 2002. Gears of War came out in 2006. But, it, you know, depending on how specific dates line up is three or four years but, but yeah he only really has uh, the unreal series uh and uh gears of war really to his name since the 2000s yep well, let's put it this right radical heights doesn't even have a wikipedia page yet <laughs> i kind of feel bad for him honestly i mean he's in his it's, 40s it's one of those things that uh he 
he's brought this on himself a bit uh, with how he's acted uh, towards media. Yeah, he's in his 40s, but he's still behaving like he's a, you know, a 20-something-year-old. He does look pretty young, though. When his hair's all floppy, he's cute. But when his hair's all short... Uh, oh, you're on the Wikipedia page? Cute. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, uh, I guess I, it's a little I'm, harder for me to feel bad for him after watching some of the montage stuff for... Uh, lawbreakers because i've got to be honest i never really paid that much attention to him because i wasn't a gears of war fan so he never really had the interaction with him i played a bit of unreal tournament back in the day but yeah never really paid attention to the uh the designers you know the uh, people behind it so you know uh, lawbreakers was where i started hearing a lot about him and he well uh, to borrow a uh I guess a phrase from Yahtzee sounded like a total old knob end <laughs> or bell end or I think it's funny. Oh, I don't know. We're, we're going to have to uh, get a ruling on this. Uh, Yahtzee. <laughs> I've heard both bell end and knob end. I think it depends on what region of yeah. uh, the UK you're from. But anyway, he just, it came off as not someone I wanted to really support. And Lawbreakers, it had its own issues. It's not just Cliffy B that sunk it. It just, it never really taught its unique mechanics. And they messed with movement. And you really have to hammer home changes on movement to be able to to play it well. Or have it played well. And they didn't, it seemed like, from everything that I've heard. Yeah. Part of this, too, this whole deal feels like uh, Cliffy taking out some old frustration on Epic. Yeah, because he came from Epic, didn't he? Because, yeah, he did. And he had problems with them, at least on Gears of War. I don't know how far back it goes, but I remember in that uh, behind-the-scenes like footage that they put together and those bonus features on the special editions of Gears of War that I had, Um, he was constantly at odds with the other lead developers and I mean, he was one of those, he's one of those forces though. Like he's got some really brilliant ideas, but he needs people to rein him in. He's George Lucas. And now he's, he is. Oh my God. He's video games. George Lucas. Oh shit. <laughs> When's he going to go back and remaster Gears of War? Is this a good or a bad comparison? Actually, it's a pretty good comparison because in my head I started forming that sentence and I was like this is kind of like George Lucas when he's got a team of people around him who are willing to tell him no on certain things he makes really really compelling stories but the thing is that when he gets in charge when he goes absolutely apeshit uh, I I think he's one of these uh, designers one of these developers that uh, he he eats the Phil Fish rule he never goes on social media and he never does an interview because Phil Fish yeah. is made a very very interesting game but uh, well let's put it this way there's a reason why he had Andy Kaufman as his uh, avatar <laughs> oh boy he it, loved the starship uh, starship up to the point where he basically chased himself out of the industry 
because he pissed everyone off. I'm not sure if he uh, he's uh, talked on and off about coming back, but eh. and I'm I'm imagining Cliffy B. We may see that in a couple of years. Yeah, if he keeps down this path and doesn't have someone or is unable to rein himself in, uh, then he's gonna wind up a Peter Molyneux or a Phil Fish or something Maybe like that. Maybe you should switch to decaf. <laughs> Yo, uh, rain the energy back a little bit. You know? Yeah. He should be uh, a Sean Murray. <laughs> At least that way, he doesn't get in trouble for going and posting shit on social media. Cause he fucking disappears? We, yeah, you hear from Sean Murray like once a year. Probably a better thing that we only hear from Sean Murray once a year now. Granted, you know, uh, Sean Murray is someone that you shouldn't be aspiring to, though. No. Which is odd, because of how successful No Man's Sky actually turned out once it had some real development. Or once it had enough time to recover from Sony's metal. Honestly, I don't think it's all Sony. I think it was a mixture of the two. Yeah, it's definitely both, uh, it's, but it, that game... It's, uh, games as a Service uh, is coming back to bite a lot of games, I think. Well, I mean, No Man's Sky needed, like, eight more months of development. If it had released with its first, what was its first content patch, it would have been at least closer to a full retail price game in value. You know, some of that always comes down to the person. But the first content patch added a lot of the stuff that they said was supposed to be at launch, aside from the multiplayer. Yeah, which but they never put full weird. multiplayer in. You have uh, Navi flying around, and that's it, isn't it? Yeah, unless that's changed. Well, there's yeah, a, well, there's a big massive yeah. update that. Yeah, there's some sort of big yeah. ARG going on that uh, they're uh, teasing the next uh, update with. I almost played No Man's Sky this week. I launched it, and I sat and I looked at the menu, and I was like, "I'd rather play Transport Fever <laughs> as a comfort game right now." You don't want to feel like you've wasted your money anymore? No. I enjoy No Man's Sky. After the... the I mean, you know, whenever I came back to it after the first couple of big contact tent patches, I really enjoy it now. But No Man's Sky requires a little more attention than Transport Fever for me because No Man's Sky is still heavily reliant on the exploration mechanics. And survival. And using the new... Yeah, the exploration and the survival mechanics. You have to pay more attention to it. And it's still a a very podcastable game, but I wanted to be on pretty much cruise control. And for me, Transport Fever's cruise control, because I've played that game enough that I'm just like, okay, here's what the maps look like, here's what I need to do, click, 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 build, 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 and then watch my trains go. Choo-choo. But yeah, so uh, somehow from Epic Games all the way to uh, No Man's yeah. Sky, we did it. I don't, I don't know what we get for that, but we did it. So, moving on to our next news topic, Asus teases the ROG gaming phone. The ROG. And this is the ROG. The article, the news article for this is very bare bones, but this is more of a discussion topic. Is there really a a need or a point for a gaming-focused smartphone? Because, like, so my my phone, Samsung Galaxy S8 Plus. Yeah, I have a a Galaxy 7, so... 
So my phone was one of last year's flagship phones for, you know, the various companies. And yours would have been one of the flagship phones for the year before that. And these really high-end smartphones come already with top-end mobile hardware. I'm only... I was actually comparing the specs on my phone to what this phone is supposed to be or what they're saying that's going to be in it. I'm only one... Like, I'm using last year's chipset for what they're using. So, the only thing that this phone has over mine is it's got 120 hertz uh, refresh rate yeah, which, display. Would that even matter? Because I would imagine a lot of games are probably frame-locked. Yeah, most smartphone games are either locked to 30 or 60. My phone has a 60 hertz refresh uh, rate display. Um so I can all you know I can always tell whenever something is actually playing at sixty versus thirty, which it's actually a pretty big shock. There's almost everything is by default thirty on smartphones, and that's a combination to cut down on bandwidth because or or for um, so many downloads and streaming and applications and stuff like that. You know you're only having to stream half the data if it's at thirty versus. Well, 60. Assuming that you know it's a streaming game, but. Uh, more probably right. just so it doesn't max out the phone and eats up more battery power. Yeah, well, that too. That was the second point I was going to get to. Battery life. I would say that probably the big um, thing for this is the battery size. A 4,000 milliamp battery? That's pretty good, like, actually. That, I would say um, that's probably the selling point, really, more than anything else. Technically, the size of the battery isn't everything because there's still... You have to be, um, yeah. But this is a bigger, particularly your OS has to yeah, be optimized. But, yeah, but this for is it. a bigger reservoir to pull from. So that's true. Yeah, I've only got a thirty-five hundred milliamp yeah, battery yeah, in my phone. Three thousand, but it, you know, it's getting up there in age, so uh, it's probably more like twenty-one, twenty-two hundred right now, just due to age. Twenty-one hundred effective. Yeah. Um, uh, which yeah. You know, uh, that that would be essentially a little bit more than double the my effective battery. So that is uh, actually good. But do you need that? that who plays? Uh, I shouldn't say uh, no. I, I know the answer to this already. Who plays uh, mobile games for that long? Teenagers, <laughs> right? Pl- playing mobile yeah. uh, ba- uh, battle royale or uh, whatever, you know. Angry Birds 2, or oh, no, uh, whatever the big bubble uh, uh, games are now. That, that's the only thing I could think of. PUBG and, and Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, uh, I've yeah. seen plenty of articles where teachers are complaining about PUBG Mobile and Fortnite Mobile being huge problems in schools right now. Which, I, I mean, I don't know how much... Again, mobile games are designed to work on as many devices as possible, much like PC mm-hmm. games. But they they tend to uh, um, appeal to the lowest common denominator. So most mid-range smartphones, stuff that's in your, like, three dollars $400 range, are going to be able to run 99% of the games as well as my $1,000 smartphone. Yeah. So... I mean, is there a niche market out there for it? Sure. I might be interested mostly for the high refresh rate display and the battery. Um, but other than that, 
I mean, if you've got a really high-end smartphone, you don't necessarily need to shell out probably the extra. Yeah, but to be fair, also I don't know, people don't three four hundred dollars. People don't need to buy the new iPhone every year, but people do. That's true. I I buy my strategy is sort of what I do with PC parts when I can future proofing as much as possible, and so that's why every like three years I'll buy one of the top-end smartphones, and then I'll hold on to it for three years or so. I had my Galaxy Note 3 whatever for like three and a half years. And that phone was great. Unfortunately, they didn't release a new Note last year when I bought the S8 Plus. Otherwise, I would have went for the Note. Because I like big, chunky technology. I pretty much go, what's the biggest phone on the market? Or the uh, biggest the, the Zach Boris uh, brick cell phone? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to... Sp- just a cell phone, though. But I know what you. I know what. I know which phone yeah. you're talking about. But yeah, I don't. I don't want just that. I want a smartphone. But there was a, a survey on uh, MTurk that I filled out the other mm-hmm. day that was asking about smartphone, smartphone stuff, and it was like, out of all of these feature sets, what matters the most to you? And it was like phone size, screen size, that sort of thing. And then you had to pick between like random. Randomly generated yeah, samples yeah, of phones. And I picked uh, every time I went screen size and then OS. And I'd pick the biggest screen unless that one was an iOS device, in which case I would pick the one with the next biggest screen that wasn't. You do realize that's I a tablet, do right? See, so yeah, but it needs to fit in my pocket. Cargo pants. It fit in my pocket. I do wear cargo pants and cargo shorts a lot. Just, uh, have a no a kangaroo pouch. <laughs> you know, I had I had a tablet a couple of years ago, and I got rid of it because I was like, I don't ever need, I don't want to use this again. But I've actually gotten to the point where that I like playing uh, mobile games more than I did, just because it's nice to sit on the couch and like my kids like, oh, let's watch this movie that we've seen a hundred times, and I'm like, okay, I'll watch this movie with you, and I'll get my phone out and I'll just like play games. While he like sits uh, next to time me, time for another round of pit cross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm probably so, going to uh, look at so uh, getting a tablet later in the year. Nothing too expensive, but, but then I, again, Android tablets are actually fairly cheap uh, for some decent ones. Yeah, and we talk, we just but, said uh, that you don't need the high end stuff for most stuff now. No, you don't. So. And, and my tablet's not going to go everywhere with me. It's just going to be a device to use at home. Like, if I want to kick back on the couch, particularly in, in my office, because when everyone goes to bed, I come and I, I hermit inside my office. And I still don't have that TV set up that I've talked mm-hmm. about before. And Katie and I can't agree on where to put it anyways. So I'm, like, laying on the couch using my phone. And it's getting late, and I can't, like, I'm having to squint. I'd like to have a bigger screen. First world problems, man. First world problems. Yeah, my screen isn't too big, or isn't big enough. I'm getting a new Bluetooth controller soon, though, because the one that I'm using is for the the Wii U, and it's not natively supported in Android anymore because of some weird Nintendo shit. And, like, you can, like, hack it, air quotes, hack it, to get it working. You know, you wonder, can rig it up. I didn't... Te- but it's I annoying. Test it, but I wonder if the PlayStation 4 controller, if it picks up the trackpad as a mouse cursor. Don't know. If it does, that's the, like the perfect Android uh, phone or Android uh, controller. 
I, I love the uh, DualShock controller. Yeah, I'm probably going to get another Xbox One controller. The new ones use Bluetooth. The older ones use that proprietary wireless shit that they had. But I'll get a new one that uses Bluetooth. And then I'll have four Xbox controllers for the that rare occasion whenever some friends come over and want to play a game on Xbox. Oh, look at you having you friends my, over. It's usually when my in-laws are here, honestly. Because whenever my friends come over, we're like, let's get out the Wii U and play Smash Brothers or Mario Kart. When my in-laws are here, they're like, let's play Halo. Or Call of Duty or whatever. Although I'm including the Chinese exchange students in that. I mean, they're part of the family now after living with my in-laws for years their family they like to play halo and also a range of weird chinese mobile games which i kind of like because they're all anime well does this mean that you're going to divorce me because i absolutely hated halo nah it's fine you like mech warrior we can we can still bond oh my Uh, uh bonding in the atlas oh Oh yeah, <laughs> but the mechs are rocking. Um, <laughs> I think that pretty well covers. Yeah, that, we though. are completely off course. Um, it's it's going to be a niche thing to begin with. I don't see it selling a lot unless it gets some sort of deal. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I would buy one for the high refresh rate display. And the battery size, but yeah, there but are I, other smartphones I just that of have. Something. Okay, so uh, how much is the uh, battery going to be eaten up by the higher refresh, uh, refresh rate on the display? Yeah, because because that, that requires a, a lot more horsepower behind the scenes, and it's one of those uh, weird things that okay, they're uh, putting out more horsepower, but they up the uh, the refresh rate. So is it going to you know balance out? And, you know, you're going to hit a lot of games that just doesn't use it. Yeah. Something they could do to to keep the battery usage down is, and you can do this, like my, my smartphone already does this. It, it's got an adaptive display mm-hmm. and it detects whatever stuff is running at and will adjust the refresh rate accordingly. It's not a perfect solution. It sometimes gets it wrong, I'm sure, but... In general, that would probably be a good way to handle it. Yeah. But, anyways, uh, uh, speaking of handling things poorly, EA pledges to <laughs> do better or be better yeah. after the Star Wars Battlefront Two debacle. And I'm you can't see me, but I made the air quotes fingers. Oh boy, be better. So this is where the title of the episode comes in. The Apology Cycle. This is something that's been going on in AAA games a lot lately. Where, yep, uh, particularly surrounding Destiny uh, lately, but uh, EA wants to jump on uh, this uh, cycle of things. Where company does shitty thing, apologizes kind of half-heartedly, which this has some really weird wording on the apology. <laughs> And then continues to do shitty things. But then again, EA, I'm not going to call them evil. I'm going to, I'm very tempted to call them almost incompetent. Because they've done some stupid shit. Particularly when they buy out smaller companies. Then move the talent away from the company. And then complain about the company not performing well anymore. 
Yep. But let's see. The the EA way. Uh, but this is from... How do you even pronounce this name? Because it has an umlaut over the O. So... Suderland? Patrick Well, I didn't want to butcher it. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But he's... Uh, uh, he was recently appointed the company's chief design officer. Because that, that sounds like a great title to have, doesn't it? Uh, it's clear to us that players see the company differently than we do. No shit. And in that situation, as a member of the executive team, I have no soul. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm editorializing again. As the guy who runs all the studios, I have to take that seriously. And we have... Uh, to continue to listen and understand what's triggering that. How about your shitty practices? That's what's triggering that. Stop patrolizing. Okay. Uh, we have to be very cautious of what we do. We have to take action and show people that we're serious about building the best possible products, that we're serious about treating the players fair, and we're here to make the best possible entertainment that we can. And in the cases where we don't get it right, we just have to listen and learn from it and be better. Good sentiment? But we've been here before. Many times before. I mean, we've been here uh, last time Battlefront came out from EA. Pretty much this, uh, well, not word for word, but the same idea behind the statement. Uh, was pretty much uh, there right after Battlefront because of a lack of a single player and uh, some just lack of content in general, wasn't it? Yeah. And, well... For for the first Battlefront. And here we are again over, you know, loot boxes this time. Uh, was there a complaint about the content in uh, Battlefront 2? Uh, uh, or it was all drowned out by the loot boxes, so... Yeah, no, most people were much happier with the amount of content uh, even though people were disappointed overall in the single player campaign, they were the sentiment was well, it had a single player player campaign, and that's a step in the right direction. And there were more game modes, or the game modes that they were were more in depth. In general, people were happy with the content that was in the game. They just hated the way that you had to get all of the content. What you don't want to play forty hours to unlock Darth Vader? I mean, maybe, but only if Darth Vader is, like, the last unlock and you get everything else oh, no, 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 no. Darth Vader is the first unlock. Oh, well, then fuck you. Well, you've been trying. Have I? Wink. Wait, this is you not trying? No, I'm saying maybe you already did. I think I would remember that unless you're Bill Cosby. Wink. Oh, my. I thought the jello tasted weird. <laughs> and there goes all the listeners. Ah, <laughs> uh, but uh, it, once again, the, this is just—I guess this is just an episode showing really the dark side of treating games as a service instead of a product. Is that you could uh, excuse to yourself or to your investors? putting out a game that isn't ready for prime time and say, oh, we'll patch it later. You know, we'll still get all the sales immediately. But I do hope that the gaming general or the gaming general public will wise up to these actions. But uh, that's the thing is that 
I don't think a lot of them will. I think they'll just see Star Wars and like, oh, I like Star Wars. I'll get this. Yep. I agree with you. But there seem to be enough of us to be pushing this in a direction. I don't know if it's enough to push it all the way back or if it's just to stem the tide, but I'll take little victories where I can I just have to wonder if they didn't fuck with Star Wars, if they fucked with, uh, you know, another property that wasn't as beloved by the general public, would we have seen the legal side of the the, uh, backlash? Yeah, seeing the governments of the world start to take those elite boxes. I don't think we would have. I don't think so either. At least not at that point. Maybe eventually on the smaller titles, but you know I mean, they'd been yeah, doing it with other titles yeah, for a long time, and games. then they pushed it to the big one. Uh, FIFA is the big example of that, where you know it's a literally pay to win for one of the modes, and it's uh, there's the disconnect between essentially the two halves of uh, general gaming where. Uh, sports games are kind of just off to the side doing their own thing. You know, they're they're hermits like you. Yay! You're a sports game. Yay! I'll take it. <laughs> Not my first pick, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, but look at it this way. You get a bunch of muscular men. Yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely take that. And microtransactions. Do I still get the muscular men? If you unlock them. Fair play. I'll grind that out, if you know what I mean. Wink. Oh. It's just... I, 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 really I don't wish EA would learn. I wish... Uh, yeah, I wish Activision would learn. Uh, but... Uh, I don't think we will. Uh, I don't think uh, they care enough about the enthusiast level until, you know, they calls up and stir up enough shit. Yeah. I don't I don't believe they've learned anything. I just believe that they're going to try harder next time to not get caught. Yeah, they're just going to step back a little bit. They're going to ratchet down the bullshit from 10 to an 8. For a little while, and then they'll try turning it up to 10 again. Though, then they'll turn it up to 8.5. Uh, yeah. Fair play. Uh, do, I have to wonder just uh, how much redesign they're doing on Anthem. Because uh, Bioware has to be in a very, very bad state right now. Which saddens me because I really like some of old old Bioware stuff. uh, Probably my favorite of theirs is, you know, the black sheep of the family, though, uh, Jade Empire. I really like Jade Uh, Empire. It's just, it's one of the games that just gets, uh, you know, nobody thinks about it. Uh, I would say it's, you know, the black sheep. Yeah, it's just the... It's not Mass Effect. It's not Dragon Age. You know, it didn't spawn a huge franchise. It was just its own thing. Just a good, solid, mid-tier yeah. game. There's very few of those these days, which we've lamented over. Well, we're seeing more, more and more out of one. Uh, from the indie side of things. With uh, the occasional thing from uh, the bigger publishers. Uh, yeah, A Way Out is a good example that they mentioned here. Uh, that you know, a way out seems to be EA trying to uh, step back uh, from their ways, but at the same time, I'm I'm too cynical to see it that way. I'm seeing them as uh, you know maybe trying to bring in uh, some new talent. It, it's yeah. tough for me to see it as a step of goodwill when we've seen them have so much ill will towards the general gaming public and talking about how 
a lot of our concerns were overblown, uh, that were out of proportion, uh, how uh, we should feel a sense of pride and accomplishment. <laughs> I think I hear the chuckle. Or you're just hacking up a lung just, again. I'm, I'm playing with my hair. Just sort of, yeah, just a little bit of a chuckle. Uh, uh, make yourself feel pretty. Uh, do you need a hair tie? No, I've got a hair tie over here. I'm just playing with my hair. It smells really nice. Uh, but I just hope that we could get off this apology cycle. I hope we do too. But let's be real. We won't. Uh, at least until the general gaming public starts to embrace indies a lot more. Uh, not saying that indies are suffering. It's just, you know, whenever you see an indie sell a million copies, it's, you know, a surprise. Whenever you see Star Wars fail to meet its uh, sales goal of 7 million, uh, it's also a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that was a mistake. What? I have some Kool-Aid, some mixed berry Kool-Aid and I wasn't thinking and I took a sip of my coffee and then a sip of Kool-Aid that was real dumb of me ooh sour (laughs) Uh, almost as sour as uh, Cliff Lasinski not quite that sour alright well fuck you (laughs) and fuck the Oscars (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> moving on uh should we just uh skip the youtube stuff we're past the two uh 15 mark uh well if we don't we're gonna wind up short this week would you rather be short or long oh my uh it's up to you uh, i'm i'm trying to think if you're uh, correct i appreciate that i really want to do the youtube thing though okay so, moving on to our community corner this week, it's us with a host recommendation thingy. Uh, we've done podcasts, and obviously we recommend games all the time, but even though we post videos on YouTube and stuff like that, we've only really ever talked about a few YouTubers that we like, so each of us came up with a list yeah. of YouTube channels. Yeah, and I channels. actually added a couple more that I thought of after the initial list, so I have even more. <laughs> right. So what we're going to do is we'll alternate between these, um, and then you have more mm. than me, so you'll get the last couple. But you can start. Okay, and mine is in alphabetical order, and we all know that the alphabet starts with the number eight, right? <laughs> so yeah. So I have the 8-bit guy. This is one of the many uh, tech-focused uh, uh, channels that I have. And he does a lot of retro uh, stuff and some teardowns as well. And it's a really interesting to see some of the hardware that I grew up with, some of it that I missed, and really seeing some of the interesting stuff out there because he does modern retro stuff as well he has a i believe oh uh, yeah he has a commodore uh 20 uh, uh or sorry a commodore 64 mini that he uh reviewed very recently uh, so you know another one of these modern mini consoles uh and it's very interesting just seeing some of the uh oddball stuff 
Well, I think there's going to be at least a mini trend between your and my recommendations because I've got some of these mm-hmm. type channels in here as well. But this is one I've never heard of before, yeah, so subscribe. Because yeah, I love this Yeah, kind he's of stuff. more focused on just general tech instead of gaming. He does have some, uh, uh, yeah, a fair amount of older gaming stuff, but it's not limited to just gaming. He has a lot of computer stuff as well. He did a teardown yeah. on the new uh, little uh, uh, sort of desktop uh, arcade machines and actually found out that uh, you could swap a, a, a pin in them to change the game in them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah. Yeah, this is... I, I want to do this as a hobby in a few years. When yeah, I've I was got, very interested. I was crossed. very interested in uh, you know, electronics and figuring out how they worked and just... Uh, you know, growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, didn't have the resources to, you know, be able to understand it. Yeah. And I'd love to mess around with a lot of the tech when I was a kid that I missed because, you know, I was a kid. But, I mean, I'm up to four PCs sitting here on my desk, two of them functional. One of them probably functional. The other one completely dead. But, yeah, one day in the future when I hopefully have money to spend on a a second hobby because gaming I spent a lot of money on gaming that's my primary hobby but this would be an excellent secondary hobby so I follow several YouTube channels that do this sort of thing oh now you follow another one indeed I do so the first one on my list I also went alphabetical and as we all know the alphabet actually starts no, with no it starts C. with 8 <laughs> actually technically C. it's uh, uh, it starts with the because it's True. the alphabet. True. Huh? 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 So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. So the first channel recommendation I have is Counter Arguments. Counter Arguments is a sort of logic, rational uh, ideas channel that goes over... Um, well, it, it provides counter arguments to stupid things that people say on TV or on the news or YouTubers. Um and some of the topics that he tackles are pretty big. Some of them are smaller and more localized. But his most recent video, uh, there was a YouTuber who was saying that 16-year-olds shouldn't be able to vote. And he put up a counter-argument to why 16-year-olds should be allowed to vote. Um, and he's done videos on religious freedoms. He's directly tackled things that uh, Killian Conway... Or Donald Trump or other people have said. I was about to say, I see Trump in the, the, uh, in the thumbnails for it, oh, well, at least once. And, uh, yeah, Trump-related stuff also. He's also tackled, like, some big general ideas, like, what is hate speech? And how do we actually deal with hate speech? It, it's pretty objective. Uh, you know, everyone is all obviously biased to some extent. But I feel like he provides some pretty objective arguments to things. Oh, um, boy. I, I see just some really... interesting ones as well. <laughs> I'm going to have to check this out. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really well done. Um, so if you, if you like that sort of thing, sort of logical arguments or uh, debate type stuff, this scratch, you know, hits a lot of those things. I imagine he gets demonetized a lot with the new algorithms. <laughs> He does get demonetized a lot. He's put up several videos as well, like very in-depth discussing demonetization and the process that he's gone through. I I learned quite a bit about YouTube's monetization and 
algorithms from his videos. So, good channel. Okay, so uh, I'm back up with Ashens, uh, the lover and hater of cheap tat and uh, really crappy food <laughs> and filmer of couches. Uh, he does a well, a fair amount of blind bags, usually burning them, by the way. <laughs> uh, cheap electronics, uh, just pound land, uh, dollar store level stuff, uh, just really variety stuff. A uh, very funny guy, though. Uh, not over the top. Uh, uh, he's a very subdued uh, uh, personality, I think it's the best way to uh, uh, call it. Uh, but, yo, know, he's one of the more famous ones I follow. Uh, uh, let's just put it this way. I'll look up Ashen Thousand Year Egg. <laughs> okay. I think I've seen some stuff from Ashen's yeah. before, I believe. Yeah, he does get hmm. some uh, surreal stuff uh, going every so often, but usually it's uh, just... Uh, he looks like he also did the Commodore uh, uh, Mini. <laughs> It's from three hours ago, so he put it up just as we uh, started to record. <laughs> nice. Uh, but uh, he's more just looking at some of the odder stuff. Uh, and he does a holiday special for most of the major holidays. You know, Easter, ha- Halloween, Christmas, that sort of thing. Uh, and looking at the cheap stuff in the dollar stores and uh, some of the weird stuff people had sent him. <laughs> Nice. Maybe I'll have to check his channel out again because uh, he he, he definitely has his highs and lows, uh, and it really depends on what you're uh, wanting to see from him. Because uh, if you uh, are interested in you know some of the weird stuff from uh, blind bags and that sort of thing, he does that fairly often. But if you want some of his food stuff, he he's doing that less and less. He actually had to close his PO box, and for a while I was thinking that he was secretly trying to be poisoned. <laughs> Because he would eat some just weird stuff. That sounds yeah. weird. Uh, it's a weird thing, but then he's he's uh, he's videotaping his couch uh, as a studio. So best studio there is. Yeah, and it's very uh, stained by this point <laughs> from just all the weird stuff that he's had on it. Uh huh. I bet it is. Wink. Yeah, but not the most uh, stained okay. couch on the internet. Okay, you're up. Right, so my next one is a channel called Curious Droid. This is a channel where a fat Englishman who likes to wear flower and Hawaiian shirts discusses mostly the history of space and aviation. Uh, He does other things occasionally, but probably 80% of his videos are space-related or aviation-related. And it's an education-focused channel where he talks about lots of things um he i I remember one of his most interesting videos was about pens and pencils that were developed to be used well the pens developed to be used in space by the nasa uh by nasa yeah there's how the soviets sent up pencils yeah yeah, there's the long joke uh or long-running joke where uh nasa spent billions of dollars to uh, have a zero g pen and uh the soviets just used a pencil yeah, but he actually like talked about the history of that. It was like a fifteen or a twenty minute video, I want to say, and there was more to it than that. But obviously, you know, it's 
known as a joke, but there was some other stuff going along with it. But, I mean, he's done all kinds of videos. Occasionally, he'll do something sort of sci-fi related. But, yeah, 80% of his videos are space and aviation. Maybe another 15%. Yeah, I thought I, thought other I followed stuff. this guy. Or maybe I've just seen some of his videos floating around the web. Because he looks very familiar. Yeah. But it's just a good educational yeah, It looks channel. like he doesn't put out content too often, though. About weekly-ish. Yeah, every week to two weeks, he puts content out. But, I mean, his videos are yeah. long-form, well, educational, essay-style videos. Looking under the 10-minute mark for most of these. With the occasional, you know, 30-minute uh, interview. Yeah. but Which is kind of weird to say, yeah, 10 minutes long-form, uh, considering our content. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, 10 minutes, who's going to sit around and... Uh, uh, listen to uh, uh, something for 10 minutes as I look down at the timer and see it ticking over to 2 hours, 28 minutes. Uh, before editing, of course. Indeed. So what's next for Okay, you? so Mon, uh, we're getting away from tech and we're getting a little bit more physical with All Me, which is for uh, the Man at Arms series. This is a channel where they take video game and anime weapons and make them in real life uh uh it's a, a group of blacksmiths that do this uh probably the one that you would be most interested in you uh liked uh shoot now i'm blanking on the name uh with the giant uh scissor uh scissor um you know what i'm talking about but i'm blanking um, on the name kill, kill, a, kill, kill. a kill they made a kill a kill sword out of scissors <laughs> they built it. They built it nice. down uh, just a bucket <clears throat> of scissors to make uh, to make an ingot and forged a giant half scissor bl uh, blade out of it. Uh, they've uh, well, their latest one is actually from uh, uh, PUBG with a machete. That, uh, looking at some of the more recent ones, they did the shovel knight uh, shovel. Uh, they did a weapon from uh, uh, Warframe. Uh, uh, more re uh, a l little bit further back, they have Wonder Woman's shield because Woman, Wonder Woman actually does have a shield, and and they yeah. have some sub uh, series where they do movie props and cheap movie props. But mostly, I watch this for uh, their uh, blacksmithing because I I found it interesting. Uh, I grew up watching a PBS show uh, called The Woodwright Shop, and I'm very interested in the. Uh, a physical process of making stuff like this. And I realized, you know, wood right uh, to metalworking, not exactly uh, the same thing, but just watching how the, the process goes through it, you know, the pro uh, going through the process. And uh, they get some uh, really, really uh, in-depth stuff going on. Granted, this is more of an overview of how it's made and not a you know, detailed by the uh, numbers, yeah. No, this is how you make this. This is how we make this. So this isn't a, a tutorial. It's more of a how this would be made. This is interesting. I've seen stuff like this before, but I've never seen channel. the full channel about yeah, I mean, this that... before. I remember there was a TV show about that was yeah, this sorta. that was on, I think, Spike TV. For a while. Let's see. Uh, let me see what their most popular ones are, and I'll give you a better idea. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm looking at their uh, channel well, right now. Let's see. The most oh, well, most popular one with 11 million views is uh, Thor's Hammer, uh, Batman Wolverine Claws, um, the hidden uh, a working hidden blade from Assassin's Creed. Uh, uh, the sword from Sword Art Online, or one of the swords, the uh, the main character sword. Uh, Cloud, uh, Buster Sword from uh, Final Fantasy VII. They had to kind of cheat and make it hollow <laughs> to actually make it holdable. I'm yeah, I'm sure it would be. There's the the a hundred pounds. Yeah, there's or the more. kill the kill uh, uh scissor blade. So that, that gives you an yeah. idea. Yeah. Some uh, gaming stuff. Uh, uh, Link's Fierce Destiny Sword from uh, Majora's Mask. Uh, that one was a very interesting one. It's a, tw- a double-twisted uh, a blade. So, yeah, if you're interested in metalworking or have a passing uh, interest in how things are made, you know, uh, uh, this is a good channel for you. Uh, the, the actual channel name is uh, A-W-E, A-W-E, uh, uh, M-E. But it's mostly Man at Arms with some other minor shows, but Man at Arms is the primary thing on here. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. I uh subbed to that channel. I got a good truck record so Alrighty. Far. Next for me is Door Monster. Uh what was their channel? What did it used I, to I be don't called? No, I only really encountered them after Kyle started spamming a lot of their stuff. Well, I've been following this channel for a long time. Uh, they used to be under a different name, which I can't remember what it is, which doesn't really matter. Um, this is a group of young people. and I, When I started watching them, they were probably college age. They're roughly my age, mid-twenties. Oh, so they should get the fuck off um, on Who started out doing just like really short comedy sketches... Um, and they still do fairly short comedy sketches, but they sort of found their stride with mostly video game related content, uh, making short sketches about civilization. Uh, they've got a number of those. They have several KSP related videos, which those are hilarious. Scott Manley features in one of them. Um, but they, they just do comedy sketches that are based around video games and popular TV shows. They do have... uh, one short film they might have two short films now um original films that are pretty good um their strength is definitely in comedy writing versus dramatic acting (laughs) but but i mean you know i started i subbed to the channel when there were like ten thousand or less subs on it and they're up to almost two hundred thousand now so if you like short comedy sketches that are mostly based on video games and popular TV shows and also Dungeons and Dragons, they've got quite a few D&D videos at this point. Um, then, yeah, go check them out. Okay, well, speaking of regrettable acting, uh, The Ben Heck Show is my uh, next one. I'm still skipping thes. Uh The Ben Heck Show is another tech-based uh, show, or channel, I should say. And he does a few different things. One is he does teardowns of, of various consoles and various tech, you know, just showing the nitty-gritty of what's actually in the box. But he also does portable versions of things, such as he took a Nintendo and made a uh, a, a, a portable Nintendo 
that is the size of a Nintendo cartridge, and it takes Nintendo cartridges. <laughs> so it just snaps onto the cartridge, and it's a playable Nintendo. He uh, made a uh, several portable consoles, a, a portable Xbox and a portable uh, PlayStation pretty shortly after they were re- re- released. He's also done uh, disabled controllers, uh, controllers designed about uh, designed to be played with one hand for people who have motor skill issues with uh, either the left or right hand. Uh, and just uh, various uh, tech uh, breakdowns. He also is the one that uh, got a hold of the Nintendo PlayStation, and no, I'm not uh, screwing up there, and uh, actually stored it to working order. Fascinating. I can't tell if uh, I don't know if I want. I can't tell if you're serious on that one. <laughs> I don't know if I want to sub to this channel or not because it's not exactly the type of. Uh, tech it's a little stuff bit. It's I a little like. bit more technical. It's a little bit more tech technical, <laughs> but it also shows you some of the behind the scenes stuff on how things actually run. Yeah, I'll probably watch a, a few videos on this channel before I decide whether or not I want uh, to sub to it. But he also like uh, I'm just looking at some of his stuff. He I got a hold of a uh, Game Boy printer and reverse engineered how it actually uh, functioned. If you're old enough to remember the Game Boy uh, printer, uh, the Game Boy had a printer, by the way. <laughs> I do. I remember yeah, that. He figured out how it worked and got it working with a computer. He built a portable virtual boy. <laughs> Just for uh, reasons, right? Nice. Sometimes those are the best reasons to do things. Just reasons. And uh, their opening is regrettable acting, which, you know, kind of ties into Door Monster. (laughs) Uh, Because they do a little bit of uh, sketches every so often, but not too bad. Uh, Just look at their, uh, as most popular stuff, uh, his most popular uh, thing is the teardown of the PlayStation 4 pretty much immediately after it released. Just to show what was under the hood. And also... To alleviate some fears, because, uh, uh, well, particularly whenever he did it on the Xbox side of things to show maybe they have fixed their uh, problems. <laughs> because he commented uh, quite a bit on the Xbox's uh, improved heat sink uh, 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 and cooling systems. Interesting. I don't know. I'll have to watch a few <laughs> videos on that channel before I decide whether or not I want to subscribe right. to it. But it's got it's got a chance to hook me. <laughs> All right, the next one on my list is FilmJoy. FilmJoy is a, as you would imagine, a channel that revolves around movies. Um, They do reviews. They do um, (coughs) sort of deep discussions about movie concepts and stuff. But honestly, the main reason to sub to this channel (coughs) is their Movies with Mikey series. Uh, Mikey, or Mike, is the sort of lead on the channel and he actually is an ex gearbox developer uh he left there sometime last year um but he the whole idea of film joy is most film critics go real ham most critics do on the negatives of most things i don't know what you're talking about and their and their tagline is is uh love movies again 
So a lot of the in-depth analysis they do on stuff, even if it's on bad films, is they try and point out the positives. And the Movies with Mikey series uh, either tackles a concept or a specific film. And the editing and the style of that show is amazing. Um, It's not quite, like, crazy, silly all over the place, but there's just enough, like, silliness in it to break up the seriousness, because he gets real deep and emotional with a lot of movies uh, and definitely speaks from the heart. And that is a, it, I, I found this channel like two months ago and I have devoured like a hundred plus videos. And most of the movies with Mikey episodes are 15 to 20 minutes long. There's a few that are a little bit longer and a few that are a little bit shorter, but your average is, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. He's got a really interesting multi-part, uh, series that he did about Star Wars as well, which was, it was two parts or maybe three parts. It was how we see Star Wars and it came out after the last Jedi. Uh, and there was like huge amounts of, well, uh, we hate everything and you and everybody. And he was like, let's actually take a look at Star Wars and see how things were like back when it first released and how Star Wars has shaped the popular culture. It was really interesting. Some of the some of the big concepts that he tackles as well get really out there in the weeds on movie stuff, which, as I've mentioned a number of times, as a an amateur cinemaphile, I I really like that stuff. So if you like movies as much as I do, check out Film Joy, particularly for the movies with Mikey series that they have. Okay, so I'm up once again, uh, and just happens to be a, another tech show. Uh, it's, um, sorting mine by alphabetical order has kind of aligned some of these by category inadvertently. Next up is BigClive.com, and that, that is a YouTube uh, channel, by the way, where he takes apart things <laughs> and uh, shows how they work and sometimes shows why things uh, may be dangerous, uh, how, uh, for example, a USB charger could kill you. Because they uh, inadvertently grounded it improperly. It's not full tutorial, but it gives a more of an idea of how electronics work just in general. And uh, not really a lot to talk about here, just because he shows a, a lot of various things. From just random electronics to more uh, chemical-based stuff, like how uh, a, uh, a, a Zippo brand uh, he, uh, pocket warmer will work. Uh, to some very basic tutorials and it's an interesting thing just to sit down and watch them tear something apart. <laughs> yeah. This is the first one you've had that I'm like, eh, I'm not really interested in that. I mean, I can see where that uh-huh. stuff is fascinating. Like, I'm not like thrown off on him. Just yeah. that's not, that sort of thing doesn't usually interest well, me. Well, I was, like I said, I was interested in how electronics work and this is close to a uh, tutorial but not quite i mean he does diagrams on how the electronics work but he doesn't go full out on okay this does this which does this 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 right uh but yeah i just find it fascinating it's not something that i said and watch every single one of his videos but sometimes there's some uh, interesting stuff right well my next channel uh eckhart's ladder uh, Eckhart's Ladder started out as pretty much a pure uh, Star Wars channel 
where that he did um combination of diving into Star Wars lore and things like that, like explaining stuff and pulling out like weird things that have happened and the really old comic books and, and stuff like that. And then it's kind of evolved into this channel where that for the most part, he does those comparisons that you're always like, who would win in a fight between Captain Kirk and Han Solo? And he's we always would. like, you know, these are really subjective. <laughs> yes, we would. He's always like, these are really subjective just based on my opinions and my feelings. But he does Star Wars, Star Trek, Halo, Warhammer, pretty much any sci-fi series is fair game. And he still does some of that lore stuff as well. I've seen some very interesting but arguments of- between uh, the Enterprise fighting uh, a Star Destroyer just because shields and how shields work. Yeah. How shields work in both <laughs> universes. Which gives it a heavy advantage to the Star Trek universe. Yeah. Everyone, though, per- always loses to <laughs> to 40K. Well, of course, the uh, the universe has gone to shit, so you have to be badass. Yeah. Particularly whenever he does, like, ground troop mm-hmm. comparisons, he's always like, you guys always request 40K, but they always win by a mile, because they're, especially when you get into the, the space marines, they're not even really human. <laughs> the... the- they look like humans, but they're not really. I mean, they're sort of human at one point. Yep, before they get, like, extra organs and... Uh, what's a, as get, a, a space marine have something like over 20 steps of uh, implants? Yeah. They get an entire second set of organs. They Like, they have backup organs for everything except their brain. And they have to do those yeah, but steps. I'm sure if they, they could give a backup brain, augmented. Right? Yeah. But yeah, 40K almost always wins. Unless there has to be any sort of uh, fine uh, uh, agility, you know? Yeah. Uh, And even then, right? But he's done some other weird ones, too. Like, one of his most popular videos is the entire United States military versus one Star Destroyer. (laughs) Well, I'll see it interesting here. Uh, Liberty Prime versus the Iron Giant. Yeah, that was a that was a fun episode too. But yeah, he just he does lots of stuff like that, and it's all just fun. All right, well I'm up again, and uh, one of my cooking uh, uh, channels is up. Uh, actually, I have a few. One that's technically cooking, but I don't watch it for the cooking. But this one is called binging with Babish. Yeah, and you may be more interested in this one than the other ones because he also does movie-themed episodes where he takes uh, food from a movie and tries to recreate it. Uh, his latest video is actually trying to recreate the state from The Matrix. Oh, I see that. But he does uh, movie-themed uh, episodes where he tries to do various foods from uh, a particular movie or movie franchise. He also has uh, tutorials for... Uh, general cooking and more specialized stuff, such as uh, bar essentials and that sort of thing. And it's a very uh, interesting uh, subset of the cooking channel where it's more focused on a idea of how things are done in a movie. So uh, a little bit more interesting to you than you probably imagined, huh? Maybe, but I don't really care that much for cooking channels. Well, uh, oh well. It's more how he's presenting it. You know, uh, looking at uh, a movie as a theme for a set of uh, recipes or a set of ideas. 
And if you're not great at cooking, he has a pretty good set of tutorials for very basic stuff to allow you to dive into some of the more stu uh, advanced stuff. Grand, uh, the tutorials have it, uh, really helped me because I've known most of this, but yeah, it's nice to brush up and watch some of this. And then he goes crazy yeah, on some I'll of this stuff. Like, uh, just a massive, massive uh, taco for some reason. Uh, Game of Thrones food, which is just obscene. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember what episode it was, but he did a bunch of 50s, uh, 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 1950s uh, gourmet stuff, which is pretty much just all butter. Uh, or a lot of uh, pastry, a lot of butter, a lot of fat. You know, no uh, caring for uh, nutrition whatsoever. Which, if we're fair, or if we're honest, that's the most delicious way to cook. I mean, who needs old age, right? Yeah. Uh, he uh, took Homer Simpson's moon waffles and actually made them edible. <laughs> uh, which, uh, the moon waffle from the Simpsons was essentially pre-made uh, waffle batter. A handful of caramels and throw it in a uh, uh, waffle iron. That sounds pretty good. Uh, well, he destroyed his waffle iron <laughs> trying to make it for, uh, from the ah. Simpsons. Literally destroyed it. He couldn't get it off it. He had to buy a new waffle iron. <laughs> can imagine that caramel would stick on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. an interesting subset, like I said. Yep, I'm, I've never been a big fan of watching anything cooking related. I just, um, the uh, only, well, like I said, I have, well, I have uh, got a very small grocery store near me. So once you get past uh, very basic stuff, uh, it starts to get harder and harder to make uh, more mid range, high end food. So this is uh, the yeah. best way I could uh, experience it. <laughs> and, and plus, I, yeah. once again, find it interesting. Yeah, the only cooking channel, well, I air quotes, cooking channel that I like is You Suck at Cooking, and that's more of a comedy channel. Well, I may sell you on one of these later on. Maybe so. Uh, but my, my next channel is, and I do apologize for pronouncing this word wrong, because there's no way I'm going to pronounce it right, is Kurzgesagt, uh, um, which is German for, in a nutshell, or in summary. Uh, and this is an an educational channel that tackles really, really big ideas uh, most of the time. Like, a couple of my favorite episodes that they've done are exploring nuclear power and the pros and cons of nuclear power and seeing or, uh, tackling both sides of the argument for and against it. But they've also done videos on the Fermi Paradox... Um, String theory, <laughs> curing is cancer. Is that a Nazi dolphin? Where? The ultimate conspiracy debunker uh, three years ago. Uh, yes, I think so. Not, not just a Nazi dolphin, but Adolf Hitler, Nazi dolphin. But the, the show is really, really well produced. They do one episode a month most of the time. And their motto is quality is greater than quantity. And it really shows. Their videos are awesome. I have to check them out. Um, yeah. And they've got a lot of topics they've tackled over the years. 
All right. Well, I got another cooking channel, but this one's going to be a very quick one because this is more standard. It's food wishes. He's, uh, but this also has some more experimental stuff every so often where uh, he takes various foods and uh, for some recipes tries to simplify them or tries to uh, put a twist on them. Like uh, the cheese souffles, he tried to uh, simplify the recipe to make it a little bit more consistent and a little bit easier to get into. But mostly just uh, some comfort food, uh, some uh, more ethnic foods, uh, some just odd things like he tried to do an asparagus patty for some reason. But uh, but just uh, just general cooking. And I realize that you don't care for this, but oh well. Uh, he right. has a interesting uh, personality. And uh, well, you would like this. He always has some sort of rhyming pun uh, in his... Uh, I like yeah, in this episode. And now I'm completely blanking on any of them. <laughs> uh, That's okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, but he has some interesting uh, foods on here as well. And uh, uh, that's the thing that I like about YouTube cooking channels is that it's a lot easier to figure out uh, the recipe by looking at it than it is uh, just reading it. Because he uh, talks about it quite a bit whenever he's uh, trying to explain something uh, that's a lot more visual than uh, uh, some of the other things that he does. And he's like, uh, if you were trying to read this from a recipe, this would be a lot tougher to <laughs> uh, see right now. But you're looking for this color or this uh, 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 consistency. And uh, that's why I really appreciate uh, in the cooking channel. It's more... Uh, nice instructional than anything else so you're up my next channel is modern classic this is a middle-aged dude who started a youtube channel to just talk about some of his old tech that he likes to collect and work on and it's it's become more of a, a variety tech channel he does a few gaming things some modern some classic he talks about classic hardware other than just like computers like he's had a whole episode on um old school audio setups and uh like super audio cd which i had never heard of before uh he's restored done videos where he restores computers or keyboards um his most recent video is taking a look at uh an old uh palm pilot tablet thing um which i haven't i haven't watched this sounds yet, a bit but... like the 8-bit guy yeah kind of um he just he doesn't really have a release schedule because this is purely a hobby for him he tends to release one to two videos a month um but he's done some really interesting stuff and he's got a really good voice just a very listenable voice oh uh, we could use that so i tried to I tried to get him to come on to the podcast once, but that was some time ago, and obviously it didn't work out. Well, well, but he's uh, a real nice guy to I, talk I, to. I completely forgot about it. Maybe he was on the podcast all, all along. Maybe he was, but no, he's he's a really nice guy to talk to. Just a you know, down to earth guy. Okay, so I'm up. Okay, so next up for me is Grand Illusions. Uh, I have two uh, really odd channels coming up, by the way. 
Grand Illusions is an old guy who's been collecting toys and oddities for most of his life, and this is him showing off his collection. Usually some sort of theme or some sort of new thing that he's picked up, but this is just an old man playing with odd toys and uh, odd little novelties. Uh, just uh, sometimes he'll show off his various puzzles that he's picked up, uh, uh, a theme of... Uh, what was the uh, uh, various uh, nose-themed toys that he's picked up? <laughs> uh, different uh, stuffed animals, uh, different uh, greeting cards was a, was one. Uh, different cars, all sorts of odd and uh, wonderful things. And it's just, uh, he, I kind of wish I, he was my grandfather. The internet is a strange place. Like, on the one hand, this is kind of weird, it's, but on the other hand, this is really yeah. fascinating. I mean, he has all sorts of odd things that he's collected over the years. And uh, sometimes he has more interesting things than others. I will admit that. Uh, but, yeah. You, just look at those uh, thumbnails. All the thumbnails are all just captures from his various videos. I know, but some of them are so cool. Some of them are kind of lame, but some of them are really cool. Neat. I'll have to check this out. This is a, this is a good one. Just one of the weird things you can find on the interwebs. Oh, no. Weird is coming up next. Uh, so next on my list is Movie Bob. Movie Bob is a guy who does a lot of different things so he he re- is a movie reviewer that's where i initially found him was from his his film reviews but he also has a number of series where he talks about video games and popular culture and movie history my favorite series that he does um is called really that good where he takes something from uh popular culture from you know anywhere in time Uh, he's gone all the way back to the 70s or the 80s for some of the older stuff but he's also done new stuff and it's like most of those videos average 45 minutes to an hour and it's a video essay where he breaks down a movie and how we view it in you know from our period in time and then historically what it was like when it came out and how people felt about it at that time um, and its implications going forward uh, for film and how that affected maybe the way that films were shot or marketed or things like that. And the longest one that he's ever done was on Batman versus Superman. And it was three parts, and I think it totaled like three hours. So he's got some really long, long-form content, like genuinely long-form content. I will say that he's pretty, he wears his bias pretty much on his shirt sleeve. He's a a bleeding heart liberal, which is fine by me. But if you don't like that sort of thing, a lot of his content will probably be pretty difficult for you to parse. Really that good tries to remain as unbiased as possible. Um, And then another series he does in Bob We Trust, where he talks about more modern pop culture stuff. Some of that is relatively unbiased the stuff that he does for like october where he just uh he calls it schlocktober and he just talks about b movies different b movies uh 
horror and stuff like that. Uh, that's pretty unbiased, but just about everything else does have a left-leaning slant that's pretty obvious. So if you don't like that stuff, that might not be for you. But otherwise, particularly the really good that really that good series is spot on. Um, and then I like the rest of his content too, because I just like really in-depth thought pieces about stuff. Uh, his most recent video is the start of a short series about uh, The Simpsons. Sort of picking apart. Oh, sorry. What, I was clearing my throat. 30 some odd years of The Simpsons. So, if you're a big Simpsons fan, that might be good. Yeah, I've for seen you. Uh, some interesting uh, breakdowns of The Simpsons, uh, particularly talking about yeah, when The Simpsons started to stop making uh, uh, fun of uh, pop culture and be pop culture. Yeah. Uh, but uh, up next is the weirdest one on my list. Jelly's Marble Runs. This is uh, a combination of a couple of different things. One, uh, various marble machines and just uh, watching them uh, run. But then he does uh, races played completely straight as a sports commentary uh, or a sporting event. And just having the marbles run down various tracks. Uh, it sounds completely off the wall, but it's... One of those things that it actually works, you know? And then he does yeah. uh, both a summer and winter Olympics with various themed events. Uh, things like curling, uh, uh, bobsledding. Uh, the Summer Olympics had a uh, actually a hot dive event. <laughs> uh, once again, played completely straight. I think your kid would absolutely love this. <laughs> Well, he and I watch like Marble Run channels. Well, this is one and of them. Ones that ones that do stuff like that with Hot Wheels cars mm-hmm. and stuff. Well, well, let's put it um, this way: uh, there was a uh, uh, some sort of storyline that he ma- had to make up because uh, during one of the events, a marble broke, <laughs> and uh, and during the closing cer- ceremonies, the broken marble was sitting there. With a little crutch, <laughs> propping it up. That's amazing. And uh, he uh, plays it uh, like an actual sporting event. So all the teams have their own personalities and uh, their own rivalries against one another. And he talks a little bit about their history. Uh, the Winter Olympics is being hosted by Team Snowballs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and talking about how the uh, yeah the, uh, the teams... Uh, may be performing uh, poorly due to altitude sickness uh, because they're from a different area. It's fascinating. You know, once again, played completely straight. You know, not like a, a giant joke. I love stuff like that. Stuff that's very clearly a joke mm-hmm. but played straight. I love uh, a matter of fact, stuff. he had to change the Marble Olympics uh, logo because he was getting in trouble uh, by the Olympic Committee because they were going after everybody that was using the Olympic symbols. Kind of ironic when you think about the symbolism of the Olympic rings, huh? Yeah. Uh, but he also does uh, some basic stop motion animation for the, uh, uh, particularly the Olympics, or sorry, Marble Olympics, where uh, the opening ceremony has all the marbles slowly going down the, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, walkway. And uh, all the events uh, has this, this giant stadium full of marbles. <laughs> I like this. 
I like this a lot. It's different. Yeah, like I said, the weirdest thing on my uh, list by far. Uh, but yeah, you could see cool. the Summer Olympics uh, about eight months ago. Uh, I, the Winter Olympics are still ongoing. He had something going on with the last event, and he never finished. He's been talking about doing the last one though. But uh, I would say just uh, you know, put the uh, first event of the Marble Winter Olympics on and watch, or even the qualifying events because he did a full qualifying uh, events as well. <laughs> And uh, eliminated actually uh, several teams, and uh, and nice. actually has enough of a following that uh, the comments have uh, yeah the fans uh, cheering for the various teams. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. Oh. Yeah, and yeah, and That's the, adorable. Uh, the team that actually had the injury last year in the uh, Winter Olympics, they were having trouble this year, so he combined. Uh, Team Momo and Team Primary to make Team Mo Mary, and just watching the comments go crazy about that is just hilarious. <laughs> Once again, play completely straight, like the marbles are alive or in actual uh, athletes. Yeah. So you're up. Right. My next channel is Oz Talks Hardware. This is a guy who does various PC hardware reviews and builds. And he tends to focus on budget stuff. Um, he sets himself budget. Lots of his videos, or he'll give himself yeah, a budget, I, like a ridiculously I low I budget. I subscribed to this guy, but I guess I didn't because yeah. Or yeah. And he'll see what he can. Oh, sorry, I, I was a sorry, little. Go ahead. I was like, wait, I I thought I subscribed to this guy. So why wasn't he on my subscription list? Uh, did YouTube screw up again? Because YouTube has had that thing uh, pop up. Where it's uh, unsubscribed to some people. But uh, he'll set himself like a ridiculously low budget of like $20. And can I get put together a PC for $20? And one time he he made one, um, but he didn't have any money to spend on a case. So he made a case out of cardboard <laughs> and and duct tape. It was glorious. Um, but he, he does do straight up reviews of stuff sometimes as well. Um, and he had a little mini series going on for a little bit where he was um, buying, like, per- on purpose, getting s- yeah. scam graphics cards and seeing actually what they were, like, taking them apart and seeing what cards they actually were. And that was yeah, pretty I've interesting. I watched a couple of those. I, and, I remember that. And as he's moved forward and has gotten better at editing his videos, because his channel is only about a year old, year and a half old. Um he uh, has started doing this weird thing where he will have him himself edited in multiple times doing uh, stuff screen. that I think is that I think is pretty comical. Like he'll be in the background, like dancing or something, while he's actually doing the review, or he'll have himself like Vanna White style, like showing off things while he's talking. It's it's cute. Um, but yeah. I really like his channel. I like the way he presents things. It's fun. Um, and it, I actually picked up quite a few tips from him on building PCs whenever I was trying to start doing things a little bit more custom rather than just, you know, building a machine, but actually going in and looking at overclocking and, and all of that jazz. He's got some good stuff talking about that too. So honestly, some of the favorite things that I like to see him do though are those budget builds and like, you know, what can I put together for? 
30 bucks. What can it run? How well will it run it? That's good. Okay, well, I'm up next with... Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure this is the only music channel I got. Uh, Jonathan Young, he does a lot of covers of anime, gaming, and uh, actually Disney stuff. Some of my favorite stuff is just Disney uh, villain songs. Uh, sometimes changing the genre, so he'll have a metal version of... Hang on, let me... I'm on his po- most popular stuff. Uh, but Isn't it the Chip yeah, and Dale? Yeah, Chip and Dale. Is uh, that metal? Uh, I'm pretty sure he did that pretty much straight up, just more rock uh, than anything else, but he uh, did a metal version of Venom at the Opera, which I realize is not uh, what I said before, but he uh, does a cover. He's a cover artist. Uh, a metal version of Poor Unfortunate Souls from uh, Disney's Little Mermaid is just awesome. Uh, just a lot of cover songs, a lot of interesting takes on popular stuff. Uh, definitely a one to check out if you want to see something a bit different or listen to something a bit different and pretty much anytime he has his villain suit on it's a good time (laughs) awesome well do you want to know what's a real good time what my next channel sexplanation here we go so this is a youtube channel dedicated completely to talking about sex in pretty much every way possible the um the lady that does the channel is a sex therapist and she approaches sex from a very sex positive standpoint and it's a good place to openly go and chat with people not in the youtube comments go to her website but to find people to chat with and to learn about all kinds of sex stuff that maybe you're embarrassed to talk about and she helps break down those walls um her videos are a lot of times pretty fun and provocative on purpose. Um, like one of her thumbnails for her, one of her really recent videos, she's wearing a strap on. So there's some silliness to it, but she tackles a lot of really interesting, fun topics. Well, yeah, but the YouTube algorithms hate her. Yeah, I'm sure they do. But uh, she does have this weird she has crazy eyes like (laughs) i don't know if it's just because she's recording but go watch any of her videos and her eyes are like wide like she's surprised all the time maybe she should uh, that's a little bit weird she probably should but if if you're curious about sex stuff and you're too embarrassed to go ask somebody sexplanations has probably covered it oh well uh should we move along yeah, I don't really have much else to say about it. Oh, I'm sure you do, but eh, let's move along anyway. Well, I... Uh, so, uh, yeah. Larry Bundy Jr. is my next one. He does uh, a couple of things. One, he does some more documentary stuff, but it's most most of what he does is top five odd lists. Like, um, one of his more recent ones is top five, uh, uh, five uh, pro- angry programmers who hated their own games. And he uh, goes into the actual code of the game. And talks about the rants that these programmers left as programming notes. <laughs> or odd uh, origins from various uh, video game publishers. Or five times Peter Molyhew was an asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah, you pretty, yep, you, you subscribe. subscribe uh, 
What what put you over the edge? I uh, all <laughs> of it. I love. I mean, like most people, I love list videos. Yeah, but these are actually interesting particularly ones. like weird yeah. lists. Like yeah, interesting. But then lists. he has uh, different so, things like talking about why joysticks are always on the left and the history behind that. He doesn't put out videos often. They're uh, uh, he's slowed down recently, but. Uh, he's still pretty active overall. Uh, and uh, It's just an odd uh, assortment of list videos. Sometimes uh, provocative, sometimes silly, uh, sometimes uh, uh, informative, but usually pretty interesting. And look at it this way. It's something for you to uh, binge, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I love having channels to binge. All right. Next on my list is Space Dock. And Space Doc is a channel that goes over history or lore or stats or specs of various sci-fi craft. Mostly spacecraft, but you get some mechs and, and robots and things in there every once in a while. Um, that's like 95% of the channel. The rest of the videos are talking about concepts like space combat and how it works in different series and how would it most likely work in real life. Uh, there's a couple other random things in there, but like 95% of it is talking about a ship or a group of ships from a sci-fi series. And they've done stuff from Star Wars, Star Trek, Warhammer, Battlestar, Pacific Rim, um, Babylon 5, Cowboy Bebop, Fallout. These are just the ones I can think of. I'm sure there's plenty one other ones in there that I'm not thinking, you know, not remembering. But uh, it's it's a fun little channel for for stuff like that. Yeah, interesting little thing. I'm just I'm going through Indeed. their list and looking at some of the uh, uh, different ships. Some very niche stuff as well. I mean, it's not just the you know, the ones that you may be thinking of. He actually goes into Wing Commander. Wow. There's a series that I wish would come back. Yeah. I like it's Wing Commander. It's been ages since I really thought about Wing Commander. <laughs> and, that's, and that makes me sad. So, uh, how about something happier instead? Well, most of the time. Go for it. Uh, LGR, Lazy Game Review. Uh, once again, gaming uh, related. I tried to avoid too many of my gaming things, but and, uh, LGR definitely uh, deserves a look. Uh, more, mostly retro with some retro tech as well. He also does a lot of sim stuff, reviewing the 20,000 <laughs> expansion packs for the sims just because it became a meme for him. But mostly just talking about uh, the games that he uh, grew up with and loved, uh, various tech. He does uh, a thrifting uh, series as well, which he goes to various thrift shops near where he lives and shows off some of the weird shit that he sees and uh, some of the weird shit that he buys. Yeah, I think this was the only one that we both subscribed to. Yeah, but to, you didn't put on your list. One of the only ones? Because I, I knew you were going to. That's why I didn't put it on my list. My favorite LGR series is the Oddware yeah, series. Uh, the Oddware series is also very good, where he just looks at uh, things that are weird, wonderful, and obsolete. Uh, but, yeah, it's just a very uh, in, 
kind of informative, but also silly. And he also does an amazing Duke Nukem impersonation. He does do a really good Duke Nukem impersonation. It's like he channels uh, John St. John himself. Perhaps. Well, in a similar vein to LGR and many of these other tech channels we've discussed, uh, Technology Connections. Technology Connections is a very educational um, tech channel that picks a topic and will spend 15, 20, 30 minutes, 90 minutes really going in-depth about that specific tech thing. For example... Uh, this channel recently did a four-part video series on Laserdisc, from inception to death. Uh, he also did a multi-part series on the format wars between VHS and Betamax. Um, <laughs> he has said he's going to be doing one between DVD and Blu-ray. While technically DVDs are still around, Blu-ray won the you know the next format war in that respect but he's also done a video talking about old school uh rotary phones and one in particular like the most quote-unquote iconic one uh he has a seven or an eight part video series talking about tvs and the history of tv and how it worked and i discovered that there was a rotary tv that was crazy um yeah there was uh trying to remember where i saw it but there was also one that was uh i can't remember how to explain it maybe the one that you're talking about uh where it, it was an actual physical thing it was sending or it was some sort of physical uh, uh manipulation yeah with the the rotary tv there was the like the sender or the whatever they had to match up yeah i think it is and so the yeah and so you would have two tvs with like these giant discs inside perfectly sync spinning it yeah perfectly synced and didn't last long (laughs) no but it was crazy like i'd never heard of a mechanical tv before yeah okay but it's okay that's why tv with a disc that's why i was throwing off because you were calling calling it rotary but i heard it mechanical so right Mecha- yeah, it should have been mechanical, but I was thinking rotary phone, and then I said rotary TV. Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, I heard about something else. It, it just happens to be the exact same thing. But it's just like really in-depth educational stuff about technology and its evolution. I did discover on this channel that there exists genuine like 1080p high-definition footage of New York City from the mid-90s using a special type of VHS tape that could record film at that level. And it was unplayable to most (laughs) devices until like the mid two thousands, but it exists. It's really weird to see. Cause you know, you think of, at least in my mind, the way that decades look are how I've seen their, their, you know, videos of them in, you know, history and classrooms and stuff. So to me, the '90s is like fuzzy, even though like I grew up. I in don't the worry, 90s. the '90s are fuzzy Thinking to me back as well. On it, everything's fuzzy, <laughs> but uh, it's really weird to see just yeah, clear as day. What's really impressive footage. is around the '50s they invented color. <laughs> I know, right? How could people live in a black and white world before? Well, it's all just shades of gray. 
But anyways, <laughs> I, I love this channel. If you really want to get off in the weeds about Laserdisc and stuff, this is the place to go. Well, mine is, next one is probably the least surprising channel considering our history. So, hello, I'm Scott Manley. <laughs> the worst impersonation yeah. of it ever, but uh, he's uh, used to be a Kerbal Space Program uh, YouTuber and has evolved into more general science and general explanations of rocketry. It still uses some uh, uh, Kerbal as explanation and some uh, Kerbal uh, gameplay, but it's more general stuff now with some... Uh, other science-based uh, games uh, peppered here and there. Not really a lot to talk, uh, talk about here, just because of the history of our podcast. I think everybody knows Scott Manley. <laughs> Probably so. The next channel on my list is the Cosmonaut Variety Hour. Uh, and this is a variety channel that talks I see about... you don't uh, skip the... Uh, nope, I don't skip the... That talks about different things. He does movie reviews, video game reviews, um, sort of essay style videos talking about different things in popular culture like comic books or um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the DC Cinematic Universe. He's done a few things on anime. Um, You know, just kind of all over the place. He's got a really fun, quippy snarky presentation style though which makes which endears him to me okay well i'm up with another cooking channel is, is it any a, a, a shock that i'm fat <laughs> uh but uh i actually don't know how to pronounce this because she never says the actual channel name Mangishi. it's this adorable vmd's woman who uh does some uh, Asian cooking, some uh, Asian flavored uh, American cooking, but she's just adorable and she uh, talks uh, about some stories as well while uh, she shows how to make different things. And uh, also talks about various uh, uh, shopping uh, techniques uh, for uh, Asian uh, cuisine. But she's just adorable. That's why I watch her. She looks like a doll. That's uh, hardly uh, kind of you. No, she she looks like a doll, like a like, like a China doll. I, I told you she's Vietnamese. Which taken out of which take I was gonna say which taken out of context could sound really racist, but <laughs> what I mean, Meng Meng Chi, I think is how you say that Meng Chi. Not hundred percent, but I think and looks like a maybe uh but called a couple of these because I only have uh, one extra I think sweet well next on my list is the channel is called your movie friend this is the smallest channel I have up here which is really sad because he's got some really good thoughtful interesting content uh, talks about movies obviously your movie friend uh, and my favorite series or my favorite part of his channel is his review series, which is five things about whatever movie. And instead of like going through the whole movie and reviewing everything like a traditional critic, he gives like a very brief thought 
overview or summary of what he felt about the movie, and then he points out five things that you probably want to know going into the movie. And sometimes they're positive, sometimes they're negative, or sometimes they're things that, like, you know, depending on how you feel, you might take it either way, but they're significant. And he doesn't, like, spoil movies, but... Also, he's not a trailer. He will... No. But I just, like, I really like the way that he... He puts that series together. It's a really different take on movie reviews. And, of course, because he's different and interesting, his channel is tiny. Yeah, how dare an interesting channel actually have a good following? That's not fair, though. There's lots of interesting channels I've pointed out today that have big followings. He just hasn't. And I don't quite understand why. Because he's actually personal friends with this CinemaSins guy. And he's been on their podcast multiple times. But his channel is still fairly small. But still, if you like movies or if you want to go try and find some interesting, different movie reviews for something you want to go see, go check out his channel. <coughs> uh, sorry about that. Uh, more noises to edit out. Uh, so, I'm up next with Techmoan, another general tech uh, show or channel, I should say. This one, it has a little bit of a slant towards audio equipment, but also just general tech, uh, well, in general. Uh, a little bit of uh, taking apart and showing how it works, but more just interesting things that he finds and uh, buys on eBay and uh, showing off how they work and uh, uh, the various tech. And uh, occasionally a little bit of an odd skit at the end with puppets. <laughs> all right uh but he uh has a big thing for record players actually and so he has quite a few of uh, videos just detailing various record players and uh, uh how they work how to repair some of them because he had to take them apart to fix them uh what to look for what not to look for he's reviewed a pasta maker he's uh uh done a couple different alarm clocks uh talked about why there's uh, a severe lack of portable digital tvs since the uh, switch over from uh, analog signals to digital and actually uh showed why you don't see many of them just the pure uh, losing signal even for a moment completely cuts out the uh the screen and he went around london showing uh even right under a transmitter he was having trouble some of this stuff yeah. looks interesting. I'm yeah, not, yeah, it's not a super it's interested not a full in full channel that I watch all the time, but uh, it's one to sit down and binge certain things. And then he does some uh, educate uh, some educational toys as well, or educational products. He has a it's a CRT globe. Uh, actually, oh, there it is. Uh, what the heck is the Gekin World? Ah, it's a C, uh, CRT half globe, which is just an oddity. So, indeed, that does sound odd. But yeah, uh, fun little channel. Cool. Well, my last channel, which is the only one that's not in alphabetical order, because I guess I forgot to put it in alphabetical order. Well, it didn't stop is you before. internet comment. Internet comment etiquette. Uh, this is a pretty much purely comedy based channel, where uh, the shtick is is that he is gonna teach you how to leave proper comments on YouTube videos and other videos and in Facebook and stuff 
around a certain topic. And he'll pick a topic for the episode and then he'll search out some YouTube videos or Facebook stuff or whatever. And be like, alright, let's leave a proper... Let me teach you how to leave a proper respectful comment. And then it'll just be like some garbage, bullshit, conspiracy sounding comment. And he drinks a lot. <laughs> and he has like recurring characters or themes like... um where he like drops into like conspiracy like lizard man uh levels of character and he'll like just start talking it's like I'm talking to you Brian everyone else thinks I'm just leaving a comment but I'm I'm talking to you you think that the globalists are taking over and you would be thinking correctly if you just send all of your money to this address we can get you hooked up so the globalists won't get you and like stuff like that it's really funny and he makes fun of, like, flat earthers and Trump supporters what, and Ted Cruz. those Cruz's. are uh, two different things? Yeah, fair play. And then he's got, like, some also weird instructional videos, which are also all comedy. But it's it's good. It's really funny. There's a lot of swearing, a lot of snarkiness. He has made one or two short sort of art house style films that he's put up on the channel. Uh, one of them is Eric drinks wine and gets a haircut. Hopefully Alan not at the same time. Silly and stupid. I think it was at the same time. But the, occasionally you learn something, but ninety nine percent of the time it's just bullshit and making fun of things. He's had a done a few collabs. He did one with Boogie, and he did one with uh, I can't think of his name. Damn it. Matt, not Matt Pat, an angry guy. Joe? Ah, fuck it. It doesn't matter. No, not angry Joe. Well, I didn't do one with them, and that's the only two angry things I could think of, are angry YouTubers. Yeah, maybe it's not angry. Maddox. I was thinking of mad, like angry mad, but Maddox. Ah. He... I haven't thought of him in a while. But that me neither. I kind of forgot he existed until he showed up in an in internet comment etiquette video. But apparently Maddox has still got a pretty big ongoing mm. channel, so good for him. So, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so I have two remaining, and both of them start with T's. First up is Tom Scott. This is I'm not sure how to categorize this, because this is more of a general channel sometimes it's science sometimes it's history sometimes it's just odd things like he made a, the international standard cup of tea <laughs> talking essentially how tea is uh, tested uh he talks about how youtube uh builds their urls so you'll have billions and billions of possible urls in a very tiny package uh, whenever something big happens, like uh, or on Christmas Day, uh, what was it, two years ago, Steam was having that issue where other people's uh, uh, profile pages were showing up at random. Did, do you remember that? Yeah, that was the first time I actually found Yeah, Tom he did Scott. a video explaining, first of all, what was happening, how it happened, and why it's probably not that big a deal. Uh, he explained why uh, a video of confetti looks like absolute shit. 
he goes to various interesting places to show off uh, just odd things, like uh, uh, a beer pipeline, uh, for one. Another one talking about why a lot of uh, alien planets and sci-fi movies uh, look very similar with the, t- uh, the 10 Mile Zone, the TMZ. And it's just a general uh, interesting channel to me. Sometimes it's more interesting than others. Uh, sometimes I skip a video here or there. Uh, but I usually watch most of his stuff. Yeah, I've never actually subscribed to his channel, despite the fact that I've watched a lot of his I mean, videos. he has a video about uh, early earthquake research where they dropped uh, a several-ton steel ball and just measured uh, the uh, impact and also used that to find oil uh, in another place. Uh, talked about uh, London having a, a, a airport that lacks an air traffic control tower and how that works. Why European clocks are running slow and British clocks are running uh, uh, right on time. All sorts of odd and interesting things. Uh, a video uh, showing, I can't show you how pink this pink is. <laughs> and why he can't show you how pink it is. So, yeah, interesting little thing. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't subscribe to him. Yeah, I don't I don't know why I never have. Like, I, I mean, I've watched tons of his videos. I don't know if I've seen them all. I probably haven't, but I have seen a lot of them. And yet you don't subscribe. Shame. And yet I don't. But now you do. So what's the okay, last one? Okay, my last one is technically a cooking channel, but I'm not watching it for the cooking. It's, uh, uh, well, it's Townsend's, but it's John Townsend and Son. This is 18th century cooking and talking about the history of various meals and how uh, cooking worked back then. And also some more general history, depending on the video. And I just found it really fascinating how very basic things, for one, sometimes... Uh, uh, was around uh, just in a different form or talking about how vague recipes used to be where it was uh, uh, cooking uh, uh, well recipes were not instructions but more general ideas or uh, it expected the reader to know quite a bit of cooking already and was more just nudging in a different direction uh some uh, reenactment stuff uh, showing uh, the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812, mostly. And just a general history more than uh, the actual cooking, with uh, more cooking being a, tr- a backdrop for various topics. And occasionally he accidentally stumbles into a political thing, like shortly after the election, he was at Mount Vernon, and one of the recipes that the Washingtons loved uh, was this uh, sherbet drink called the Orange Fool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember you told me about this, yeah. I think, last week. Yeah, you were wondering what this channel was. And he does Q&A where people write in and ask uh, general, generally about uh, cooking, but uh, more general stuff as well. You yeah. uh, know, uh, one of the videos is like uh, how food was preserved and various canning process. Uh uh, how uh, uh, winter was survived back then. Just very fascinating to me. Indeed. 
Yeah, that's that all of them, right? One. Well, we did it. Hey, we're only now uh, half an hour over our usual time. Sweet. I uh, I have more, but this was sort of my A Yeah, this was... Uh, well, I skipped some of the more controversial stuff, some of the uh, stuff that people are, uh, you know, angry with, or, you know, I watched just bits of. I skipped uh, the stuff that I use in the podcast notes a lot of times, you know, Sid Alpha, uh, Young Yab, particularly. I didn't put Jim Sterling in, same reason. Uh some of the more uh, new stuff. I went for more cooking, uh, a little bit of history, and general tech for the most part. Yep, I mostly went tech, film, and educational. A couple of uh, fun sci-fi things in there, and then a yeah, couple of I had a couple but... of odd things, but... Hmm. And I guess we're going to be skipping the Discovery queue. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, that means we come to the part, portion of the podcast where I go first and tell you what's coming up on my channel, on the YouTubes, Gaming Psychologist. Ding. Uh, we have Divinity coming out uh, Wednesdays and Saturdays until either we finish or we get behind again. Looking pretty good at the moment for not getting behind, but yeah. you never know. Uh, there is a, another batch of Kerbal videos in the works. We should be breaking into the 50s this week. Um, and outside of that, I've got, again, one of my patented ideas rolling around in my head that I typically don't oh, do Oh, so that's what that with, sound is. We'll see if that turns into... We'll see if that turns into something. Because um, I have played a couple of mobile games that actually are real games first and then mobile second. And I'm considering doing like, I don't know. I like, uh, um, what's the right word? Shit. Alliterative? Mm-hmm. Alliteration in my titles? Uh, so something like Mobile Monthly, where I actually look at mobile a mobile Monday. game. For nah, I don't think I could do one every week. There's too much garbage to sort through on mobile. But I figure I could do one a month. But uh, I've got an idea for a couple. The question is, how easy or difficult is it to capture footage from a mobile device? I've never done that before. So uh, The power of emulation? Okay. Perhaps, I know that there's ways to emulate modern mobile titles on a PC, but I don't know how difficult that is either. Never done it before. So there's going to be a learning curve to this. And a lot of cursing, and then you Otherwise, get up on uh, do no content. Indeed. Otherwise, that's about it for now on my YouTube channel, which, like I said before, Gaming Psychologist. If you want to follow me over on Twitter at JMA4707. If you don't already, I tweet about all kinds of things. Um, it took like four days, but my phone stopped exploding from members of the LGBT community talking to me about transgender actors and actresses. So now you wanted to uh, uh, get a vibrate again because you got kind of used to it and you kind of like it. Oh, yeah, I liked it. But no, so that's that's calm back down. Uh, I've been I've been tweeting 
I haven't been tweeting very much, actually, the last few days. I haven't posted any inflammatory political tweets. I've been keeping a lot of that to myself. Oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll poke so you erect. every so often. I'll get, I'll get you tweeting again. Most of my tweeting has been responding to people about things. Uh, some of the podcasts that I listen to, been tweeting back and forth with them a lot. But that's more of just, you know, random Twitter conversations as opposed to me posting stuff. But I'm always on there. You never know what you're going to find on my on my Twitter. If you want to watch me stream games on Twitch sometimes or watch the premieres I put up there, like the podcast, which the previous week's episode premieres on Twitch the following week while we're recording the next episode. So we're on Twitch right now, both in the sense that last week's episode is running on Twitch right now and this week's episode is going to be running on Twitch right now. Yeah, but I have a feeling next last week. week's episode is probably finished by now. Uh, what time did it, I don't remember what time it started. Whatever, doesn't matter. We're there, using the the Twitch premiere features, which a lot of people don't like. But I actually like the Twitch premiere features, because I have a difficult time finding time to stream. Because I do stuff during the day, so I can't stream during the day. That's prime time for it. Got, yep. And then in the evenings, a lot of times, we're doing something, either recording. Oh, wow. Or I play Star Wars RPG on Wednesday nights with some of the people from our community. Um, and then Fridays and Saturdays, I never know what's going on on the weekend. So I can't plan to do anything there. So the Premiere system is really nice and I like it quite a bit. Anyways, that's twitch.tv slash jarthar4707. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, where I accept all friend requests and love to have lovely chats with the lovely people from our community. You can send me a friend request. My Steam username is jarthur4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Sour Grapes. Sour Grapes. So uh, things are running pretty much standard on my channel. Uh, Steam World Dig is still plugging along. I need to record some more of the episodes. That'll be likely tomorrow rim world uh just broke a siege on uh, the uh on that series literally <laughs> oh boy uh interesting uh things are always happening in rim world had uh, seizures i actually uh they started pelting my base with fire from uh shells and for those who never played rim world there's various shells uh, that could be shoved into a mortar and then uh, launched to the enemy. Well, one of them is fire foam, which is a flame suppressant. It's meant to put out fires, but they were covering my base in fire foam. <laughs> and actually ended up hitting someone and hurting them with a fire foam uh, shell. <laughs> oh, Rimworld. And then Devendi, well, you just heard, uh, still ongoing, hopefully, where we just recorded into the 80s. So we have a fair uh, lengthy playlist for that because damn maybe we should uh, do a game next time that you know we could finish in the same year <laughs> that would be a good idea we've been recording divinity for over a yeah. year right well uh well yeah we're also including delays and then uh you know stoppages but still i think that counts yeah i mean 80 episodes, that's quite a bit. Uh, to be fair, you know, uh, 
52 uh, weeks times two, 104 would be a full year without stoppages. We may get there. <laughs> yeah, we may. Uh, and, well, the Sunday sampler, uh, once again, just depends on what I get. I am working on channel assets for uh, branching the Sunday sampler out from just the quick play stuff or quick look stuff. But that really depends on me sitting down and getting it working and actually liking how it looks because I'm not exactly an artist. I'm more just throwing shit together and, you know, maybe get it look decent. Maybe. But you can find all that over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage or you can find me on the Twitter. I believe I was complaining about not sure feeling tired or just allergies uh, uh, popping up uh, on my last tweet or two. Because allergy season, yay. The antihistamines are uh, in my system, and I'm feeling all right still. I'm mostly growing on my allergies, unlike some people. Yeah, I'm pretty screwed in that respect. Uh, we'll just uh, hold you down, uh, shoot you up with all the antihistamines. That might <laughs> help a little. For the short time before you OD. I could breathe! <sighs> it would be glorious, though. Uh, but, yeah, there's all that gaming of CR for the Twitter. And, well, if you wish to contact us, you do so also on Twitter, VGL Podcast, or just email us, VGLpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics, or yell at us for spending over an hour on random YouTube shit. <laughs> right? Absolutely. But if you liked all that and wish to pay us for it uh, as a you know, positive reinforcement, you can do so patreon.com slash Podcast, which did pay for our Podbean account, vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the RSS feed as well as our show notes, or you can just find us, find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is on the ground, and, well, we didn't do the discovery queue, so we could skip that. But both of those, when we use them, is by Kevin McLeod. And you can find his work at Incomputech.com. And, as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, which thankfully held out this episode. Boom, well, I know. Voice, uh, you, you have a very impressive throat. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Too bad my gag reflex sucks. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>